Welcome to the National Affinity Cup podcast. Good evening and welcome to episode nine of the National Affinity Cup podcast with myself, Nick Sanders, the team manager of Nightingale Football Club. With the AFL heading into the playoff stage, promotions and relegations, champions elect and cup finals to look forward to, where better to talk all things football and more specifically charity football by tuning in to the National Affinity Cup podcast. The National Affinity Cup brings charity teams and charity supporting sides together through football to provide a competitive but most importantly a collective fundraising network for a whole host of amazing charities throughout the UK. Last week was a return after a forced break due to fixtures and it felt like a return from a long-term injury or an enforced suspension. Judging by my two assistants that are with me tonight, the injury side of things might not be far from the truth. Introducing first in the red corner, it's the man with calves tighter than Jack Grealish after refereeing numerous games last weekend. It's Spencer King from Essex Charity FC. And in the blue corner, it's the man that at times people question, is he made out of breadsticks? It's the Nightingale captain and the massage bench warmer, it's Jason Sanders. How are we, lads? <laughs> I love that introduction of Jace, the breadsticks. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, I'll tell you where that came from. That came from Yannick Balassi and Jace will vouch for this when he was playing for the Villa. And he kept getting injured. And there was a guy that sat just behind us who loved shouting abuse. And Balassi heard it and he made a comment about his, his legs being made of breadsticks. And you could just see, even Balassi couldn't help but laugh at it. He knew he'd been done. And even he was like in on the joke. I think, I think that's right. somewhat, I, I, I say somewhat harsh. I think it's somewhat... Um, True. No, untrue to an element. I think it's even worse than breadsticks, mate, to be honest. I think if you... <laughs> It is pretty much as good as a chocolate teapot gets, to be fair. So, in the latest rumours of injuries, as everybody's always hearing it, um, I played 45 minutes last Friday at, um, and I'll, I'll cover this in a little bit about the charity element of football, at Shrewsbury Town. Uh, so, you think beautiful facilities, League One. Um, probably the hardest pitch I've ever played on, because I didn't really know what to make of it. And I came out of it at the end. Carf had seized up that much. I had a lump sticking out the bottom of my calf and I've got a beautiful pretzel knot in the uh, the old muscle. So, yeah, 45 minutes does that to you, apparently playing in um, professional football grounds. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they... However, what I am going to show you, and I think this is a touch of class, check this out. Now, to all the viewers, you aren't going to see it, but... Oi, oi. Oi, oi. That is. That is. Adop- oh, adop- an adopted team. So, for the views that aren't seeing it, Shrewsbury Town, who kindly hosted us a charity game there. Um, that's my work team as well. It's not my uh, actual Nightingale team. Um, hosted us and gave us, basically, a free full kit to wear. Um, I am in talks with them to sign. As you can see, it's number 44. <laughs> um, on a, uh, I, I was going to say, it's not actually a, a wage fee or anything like that. I'm pretty sure I'll just take a couple of burgers a week and, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. Was so you sure the number of minutes that you lasted, Jace? <laughs> well, Second. I did only play 45 minutes, so the fact that my shirt number is 44 for all of you is quite um, convenient. But yeah, I don't think I'd have lasted much longer than that because my legs feel still, to be fair, like uh, jelly. So yeah, not good. I've got to say, for a League One side as well, Jace will say it now, having been to Shrewsbury as well, lovely ground for a League One team. And, um... You know what? Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing that you don't realise, you get to go and see the facilities of obviously where we were. Um, they were fantastic on the COVID front. And I might as well just say it now, a massive thank you and what a, what a fantastic thing it is to see the fact that a league one club are reaching out regardless of us as as Rybrook who I work for 
um, having a, a primary sponsorship with them, they've still allowed over 40 people from the company to go and use their facilities and play on their main pitch. They don't have to do that. They don't. And, you know, we've had conversations, as you guys have, um, trying to get hold of touch of Premier League clubs, Championship clubs, League One clubs again, uh, to reach out and, and use our final at the Affinity Cup there. And, and some of the quotes and prices have been ridiculous, whereas Scunthorpe was very much... Sorry, Scunthorpe. Wow, that's a bit of a change. Uh, Shrewsbury, <laughs> Shrewsbury were very much um, welcoming in the sense of, well, look, you guys do enough for us, so we wanted to give back and help you raise some money. And I thought, you know what? If every club just thought a little bit like that, how easy the world would be with charity football. But hey, it's a shame that they don't, isn't it? You say Scunthorpe. It's a funny point, that, because I noticed this week that um, our friends at the British Heart Foundation side, they've got a game against Mush United. I think it's coming up. I don't know if it was at the weekend or it's coming up this week. Um, That's at Scunthorpe. So it's a bit of a small world, really. But yeah, Shrewsbury's got a lot of good memories, including a a cheeky pre-season away day last year with, I know he listens, Ant Bromhead. And uh, he'll also love the fact that I'm going to vouch that he's the only person that went into the Lidl next to the ground. And instead of buying pints, he was on the 64 pence cans of gin and tonic. And I've never <laughs> seen anyone in the state that he was in by the time we dragged him out of the ground. Um, what a legend. What a legend. Oh, yeah, mate, he is a legend. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, another busy week on the charity football front, both for um, our retrospective teams, getting things ready for the fixtures coming up and all the other bits and pieces going on with that. Um, and also for the National Affinity Cup, which we'll be going on to later. And there's a couple of announcements and things we want to bring up. Um, but two things I really wanted to bring up this week, and I think these are important things that we need to bring up early on. It is Mental Health Awareness Week. And one thing I did want to say is that just from our point of view and what we do and what everybody that listens does, it's been really incredible um, just to read the level of support and the campaigns and the ideas that people have put in place to support the movement. And charity football showing its true dedication and class um, just to ensure that it plays its part. I know a lot of teams have been doing different things, people posting things and sharing things, um, opening DMs up to anybody. And that goes for anybody listening, same with the Affinity Cup. You know, you've only got to drop us a message if, you know, we're neutral people, if that's something that's easier for you, you're always welcome. So thank you and well done to all the teams that have been doing their bit. But secondly, and this is quite solemn and it's quite, we we never really have sort of sad news on the the podcast, but I think it's important that we um, join the football world in dedicating tonight's podcast and and the passion for football to nine-year-old Jordan Banks. So if you are listening and you have, or indeed haven't heard the devastating news without going into the, the graphic detail, um, Jordan was cruelly taken suddenly whilst playing football with his friends and his team this week up in Blackpool. And there's many incredibly sad facets to this story and the horrendous tale of events that took place. Um, it's just, for me, I think it's quite harrowing that we've missed football for so long. And then you've got a nine-year-old boy who absolutely loves the sport who's finally getting to play again with his friends and so cruelly taken in front of them. And I just think the outpouring of support from football in general and charities across the UK um, and other people in the general public has been a really warming it's obviously really sad, but at the same time, it's nice to see people coming together and saying the right things. But as sad as it is, I do want us to try and take two positives out of what Jordan has taught people, really, at such a young age. And something that we should all be carrying forward, particularly coming out of the pandemic from the last 12 months. First one being community and family through football. And you're talking a lad there that you've only got to speak, listen to how his, his mates have spoken this week. And rightly or wrongly, I don't feel personally comfortable seeing nine-year-olds being interviewed on the news about stuff like this. But... The lads that spoke just showed what an incredible character he was for such a young age. And there's a lot of people who are a lot older who could learn an awful lot from him. And the other thing is, as we're all charities, the giving back element and thanking those that help us. I don't know if people saw this, but um, there was a tweet that the police put out up in the area that he's from. Excuse me, that he's from. Um, and they said they were doing like an investigation to work out who it was that had been putting sweets and gifts 
by their police cars um, to thank them for all the work they were doing during the last 12 months, as well as the paramedics. And they actually found out it was Jordan and they had a photo taken with him not too long ago. Also raised loads of money through charity himself and just a, an amazing young lad. And I just hope that, you know, people do learn the positives from that. And just a very quick message in, on behalf of Charity Football to say, um, rest in peace to Jordan. Our thoughts are with his family, his friends and all that knew him. And it'd be really nice if we can pull together and do something through Charity Football for him in the near future. It's just a heartbreaking story. As you said, it's it's, it's something that you just, you just don't like to hear. And my, my thoughts go out to obviously his family and friends as well. And, and obviously we, we know that the um, it's been taken in quite well by the, the charity football community over social media and things like that. And I know obviously my team who playing on the weekend, we're going to, we're going to do the minute silence for the game, dedicate that, that towards him as well. But you just hope, Obviously, it's such it's a cruel, cruel world. It is a cruel world we live in, and to have a have the life of a young lad taken in in that way is just it's just awful. So I, I hope not just the charity football community, but I hope the wider football community just get involved and just support that and support his family as well. Yeah, spot on. I've seen some really nice touches today. I saw the um, Blackpool Tower had been illuminated with a I think it was like a, a red heart. Just thinking of him and. <coughs> Like I say, I think the thing that touched me most was just seeing these kids being interviewed and talking about someone and talking about someone who sounded like an adult with, it, like, with the mentality of someone much older than he was, but just loved by everyone. So, um, as we said, if we if we can do anything or support anybody or anybody's in the know, um, just let us know. Um, but going on from that, uh, we need to carry on and need to celebrate football and everything that charity football brings. So, some awesome responses again this week to last week's icebreaker. A few people got involved in that quite late on. Um, this week's icebreaker is one of the, the more different ones, and uh, Jason will come on to that in a bit. Something very different to what we've done previously. And as usual, we've still got the Football in the News, the Q&A Challenge, the Affinity Cup Quiz, and of course, all the updates on the Cup itself, which we'll get on to. But first, we need to welcome our guests for this week. And we've been quite excited by this one this week. There's a lot of people that want to get involved, and we've got a lot of people queuing up to get on now. Um, but this is one that quite early on, we said if we can get these guys on, we'd be really excited to. And funny enough, we had a message from uh, the person we're going to introduce in a minute, not long ago, um, this week, just to say they'd really be interested in coming on. So this week, it's a team who find themselves in the Yorkshire region of the National Affinity Cup for the early rounds. This week's club are the ex-Tigers, or often get referred to as the Hull City Legends. And we are delighted to welcome Rico to the podcast. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I've been really looking forward to this one. So um, we've asked this last few weeks to people who've been involved. I don't know if you guys have managed to have any games since um, lockdown sort of returned or if you've got other teams that you're involved in that have. But um, if you have, how have you uh, found it being sort of being back in football after such a long time off? Loved it. Missed it so much. It's just, it's getting the last together. That's the main thing. And then, like you say, raising awareness for anything, anything, usually local, usually local charities and things like that are local things that are happening. Uh, we've played Lads FC. I don't know if you know about them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we have heard of those guys. Yeah, they're, they're involved as well, I think, down the line. Yeah, we played them a couple of weeks ago. And we're playing them again this week. As you say, it's been a little last week, so we're playing them again. Um, and we played one last week. And you know my age now, so I, I've forgotten. <laughs> 21, 21, <laughs> Completely forgotten. I'll just have a quick look. Um, and we'll play. <laughs> I love this. This is, this is the beauty of livestock. I love it. <laughs> this is how you do it, talk sport. I'm telling life, you. life for a kid, it was. There you go. 
it was Life for a Kid, which is a local whole charity, and they do it's, it's for, the, for the underprivileged kids. They collect Christmas presents every year for them, birthday presents for some of them, stuff like that. So that's what we had last week. Good research, yeah. <laughs> should have had that ready, should uh, I? Do you know what? It's top notch. I'm always living off notes. I'm sat here doing the podcast, and I've always got a set of notes in front of me trying to go through stuff. So, um, do apologise for anyone who's listening. They'll get any feedback because we're getting a little bit of a lag between all of us. So if that does happen, um, we might have to edit and so on from there. But if you are listening and it does start to play up, that's all it is. Um, but very quickly, obviously, you get involved in the Affinity Cup. But more importantly, we want to know the little bit about the backstory behind the ex-Tigers. So um, I know for a lot of people who obviously follow you will be aware of the links to Hull City and everything that that entails. But how did it come to be? How long has it been going for roughly? And what's your personal role in it all? Um, well, I've been playing for him since, since I left. I was an apprentice. I was a YTS kid there. Um, didn't get taken on pro, unfortunately. But um, from the age of 18, I've been playing for him. So you can work that out. You know, the math teacher, Nick, gone. <laughs> I'm not saying that. We, we, we've had this conversation this week. We only found out last night that we're both maths teachers and we we're both comparing uh, how bad our jobs were. It's the typical thing when you come home and you usually speak to your missus and go, how's your day been? It's been bad. And then the other one comes out and says it's been a lot worse. So that was our job last night, having a good moan about teaching. Yeah, yeah. But so that's like 30 years, to be fair. So it's been going that long. But it's never been um, as organised as we are now. Um, I was saying to just before we, before we started, the guy who used to organise it died a couple of years ago. In terms of the, the team itself then, currently, obviously, I bet you've got a, a pool of players that sort of play as and when they're available. Um, but in terms of like the whole City Legends themselves, which sort of names play quite regularly? I think I've seen videos of, of Dean Windass being involved. One shot. Uh, and a couple of other... <laughs> for anyone who's, who's, who's listening again, little uh, drink symbol being made. We did say if Dean Windass' name got dropped, there's another one. Um, then it was going to be a shot for every time his name gets... Uh, mentioned tonight. I think that's why Jason's gone quite. He's probably drunk already. Yeah, Jason's absolutely <laughs> battered already. <laughs> no, he's still watching the Villa game on his, on his lag. No. This is lagging. <laughs> I'm still still catching up on um, a couple of things for Nightingale related. Training for tomorrow and all those kind of things. It's non-stop, Nightingale lads, I tell you. It's non-stop. Affinity Cup and this. <laughs> um, yeah, as for players, we've got like a our standard squad's about 15, but we have people dropping in and out, as you say. Uh, but generally, every game, Dean plays every game. Brian um, Hughes, top quality pro, great player. So, if you know of him, ex Blues legend, yeah. yeah. I, think yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> I don't like to mention the Blues if you two are Villa boys. But, uh, Justin Whittle. Yeah. Big, big centre half who had the uh, famous battle with Algeria. You ever seen that? So sorry that that's, that lagged again. Then oh, so yeah. I got the was it? Did you say was it Justin Whittle? Justin Whittle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Famous battle with Alan Shearer, give him a shiny elbow. Yeah, I think <laughs> anybody, anybody who's done that gets plaudits on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Nathan Doyle. Yeah, sadly yeah. Had to, he sadly had to retire quite early because he, he snapped his Achilles. But he's still playing. He's doing. He does well for us. Adam Balder, another Premier League player. Yeah. Um. Adam Lothorp, who's our actually East Radian chairman of the FA. So we've got connections there. Helps us out with things. That's handy. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the one. He's the one. You know when you said about getting us affiliated. Yeah. 
yeah. before we could do the competition. So yeah, so Adam sorted that out for us. Uh, Gav Kelly, know that name as well. Yeah, Crystal well. Rovers was where he made most of his appearances. Keeper, and uh, just recently we've got Rob Palmer involved because he's oh, a whole lad. I was going to say, uh, so he's. I, I had a couple of people at work today when they asked who was going to be on who've started listening and uh, they said, oh, Horsey Legends and like mentioned a few names and it did make me laugh and I said, I don't know how, how easy it is to get hold of some of the old boys depending on where they are now. Some of them are probably living on the other side of the world but the first two names that came up tonight were does Jimmy Bullard play and then the one that got me and I'd forgot about this guy was um, Giovanni. So if people remember. <laughs> what a player. I was like, he's probably in the middle of like, Brazil now but uh, what a player he was. He's actually on Facebook with Giovanni. <laughs> oh, you'll have to get him in for one of our yeah. games, particularly the Affinity Cup. If you get towards the final rounds, maybe you'll have to uh, yeah. sneak him in. Um, like a face-off between Giovanni and Carno at one stage. Ah, uh, there you go. It's been dropped. Carno's been mentioned again. <laughs> Twenty-seven minutes in. I know Dean still sees Jimmy and still speaks to him, but um, no. The, we've had Ashby. Ashby's played quite a lot of games, but he's he's just um, dropped off recently, so I don't know what's going on with him. Um. I mean, as you guys know, arranging fixtures is an absolute nightmare at times. Yeah. Getting yeah. everybody. So you just have to go with it. And sometimes we've turned up with 11 and just gone with it. But yeah, I think Jay's come out for that last few weeks when he's been playing for his Sunday side so down at Studley. I know he's been phoning me up and it's been, it's almost been single figures some weeks, mate, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not been too far off that, I tell you. It's been, it's been a right struggle. Mind you, I can't say that because I didn't play on Sunday and I should have. So, yeah. So, Mike, do, 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 do you guys play under the, the, the whole city umbrella or is it run completely separate to... to it used to be. It used to be really, really close and it was it was good. We used to get um, tickets for every game. They used to invite us in and we was always there. But as soon as Alums took over, nah, nothing. Literally really? don't want anything. No. I think that's shocking as well, and obviously uh, there's been a lot of stuff. We obviously won't go into too much detail with it for your own sakes, but I know that the fan power's been a big thing recently with the Euro Super League coming in, but I think it's also something that we need to remember that it's still prevalent quite a lot throughout the English game with a lot of the the ownership battles that go on throughout the, the EFL as well as the Premier League. Um, is that something that, like, obviously you, you've had much involvement in, is it, has it affected how you guys run much in terms of who's got involved or...? Um, not player-wise, no. But sometimes, if you, you know, if you want to go away, it's up to the players. We're gonna to have to fund it ourselves and stuff like that. And and yeah, we we want to do that, and we we'll always will try. But sometimes it's just not possible. With a, a little bit of funding from them, a bit of help would be good. We have to yeah. buy our own kit and supply everything ourselves. They're just not interested. No, that's the thing that frustrates me. And it, it's this care for the people that have given so much to the club, not just the fans as well, but I know people are quick to sell players who earned a lot, but a lot of these players that have retired, you know, X amount of years ago as well, nowhere near the level of money that these players are getting now. And it's, yeah. you know, it's when you see these benefit games and other stuff, there needs to be more of that. There needs to be more giving thanks to the people that have, have given so much. What what upset me actually was obviously again through, through us sporting Villa and he wouldn't moan about it himself because he's quite a hardworking guy, but it's when you realise someone like Nigel Spink, who famously came on in the European Cup final at such a young age, kept a clean sheet against Bayern Munich in 82. And yeah. the fact that he's a haulage lorry driver now, and he's proud that he does it. But you think someone who's probably had the, the most famous game in a Villa shirt 
at such a young age and he's doing a regular job. And it's not saying that's a wrong thing, but you know, you wouldn't see these players now doing anything like that when they've retired. But it also it also goes back to what Jason was saying at the start about like, for example, about how, how we've had different um, communications with various different professional yeah. clubs and we've just been batted back numerous times or just been past these ridiculous figures that are just outrageous and unachievable for any football team, let alone a charity football team. And I, un- I understand that obviously professional organisations have their own charities that they support and all this kind of thing. But you would think just a little bit of help for a wider cause wouldn't go amiss sometimes. Like for the greater good, if that makes sense, and it just, it's just, it's yeah, just, yeah. Sense. And the need to remember is the fans at the end of the day, yeah, that they make yeah. the club. You can have the best run club in the world, but if you've got no fans, you're not going to make any money. Eh? And there's, there's been a lot of um demonstrations and stuff against the Alums. I mean, fair play to them, if it wasn't for them, the club would have gone under. So they, they did take the club, and they've they just got. Different ideas, that's all, I suppose. Just money again, isn't it, I think? Yeah. It always boils well, down business to that, doesn't it? Businessmen at the end of the day, and that, that's all the interest, is it? Yeah. Sorry, at the time, um, Dean was ambassador for the club. I've mentioned him then. There you go, Jason, another shot. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was the ambassador. And he said, well, we're doing this and we're... Can we can we get some funding from you? Nothing, literally nothing. They did. Like when Peter Skipper died, we did the guy of honour for him, and they invited us to that game. So we went to that game and we did the guy of honour for him before the game, which was nice. But nothing since. And then now Dean's not involved with the club anymore. Um, and I just uh, a few of the other lads do they do like my day, like corporate stuff. So they're still involved, but. And they ask them all the time. Still not interested. I think that's shocking. Again, for somebody that's a whole born and bred as well, you know, he's not just a, a club legend. The bloke is just loved in the city, isn't he? He's, he's like the, the icon up there. And to do what he did and then hear that he's had to pull himself away from the club, I think is just shocking. But this is the trouble with, a lot of people say the same trouble with football today. It, it, it's quick enough to say what it needs to be and pump the money in. But I think we've always got to remember where it's come from and hold those those values and traditions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right, um, we'll be coming back on to all things Holland a little bit. Um, what we're going to do now, we're going to go over to Jason as we normally do. And Jason's going to introduce this week's icebreaker. And as I said, it's a little bit different to some of the previous ones that we've had. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I was just <laughs> talking over that shot, aren't you? <clears throat> no, I'm just trying some um, vegan uh, mac and cheese, which is absolutely oh, amazing. But Christ, you're going wrong. No, you yeah. honestly, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, yeah, don't knock the teacher it. Uh, <laughs> vegan, you've changed. You've changed. You've changed. <laughs> wow. Just, sorry. Anyway. Just before, just before you say that, Jess, can I just say that you know you said the best performance in a Villa shirt, Nick? Yes, go on. I've got to say, I, I played for Villa in a charity game. Oh, wow. In uh, And it was the European Cup winning team. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because you know Pat Head? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pat Head's from Hull, so Pat's a good friend of mine. I didn't realise he was from Hull that way. Yeah, he's from Hull. He started at Hull and then, well, he started at Everton, sorry. And then, but he, he was sub one 
Yeah, because he's um, he's on our local radio station. They use him for a lot of the Villa games. He does a lot of the the co commentary, and he's he's yeah, yeah. Uh, he's well thought of down here. Obviously, like all of them are. But yeah, so he, he brought them up for a game, and he was short, so he rang up. So I played with Pat Ed, Tony Morley. Oh, oh, was he? Was it Gone Cowens? Yep, yep. So I'm I'm claiming a better performance. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, one of them actually default. I love that. Um, obviously, like, it was a little bit before my time, but my old man, I mean, Jace will say it, my dad went to Rotterdam. He went to every round of that European Cup apart yeah. from the first round. I think they're in Iceland for the first round. Um, but he went all over the place. And he was saying, you know, we, I've seen Morley play in a charity game. Yeah. And he was in his 50s at the time and he was the best player on the pitch. It's just, yeah, you, you suddenly realise how good those people are. The fact that they don't need to run because they just know where to ping a ball and where to play it. Um, my dad was good friends with Gary Shaw and uh, Ken McNaught as well. Yeah. Uh, it was just sort of that little group of players Peter with could go on all night about the Villa, but I'll keep quiet because uh, Spencer will log off in a minute. Um, <laughs> but, Jace, over you come. Yeah, so this week's um, Affinity Cup podcast, um, Icebreaker brings you um, how will football be different in 100 years' time? So the more bizarre, the better, uh, of course, as we've headlined this. Now, I don't know about you two boys and where you're coming from. Um, I I put a a little bit of an input on this directly to Nick. can I just ask Nick before I go to you? You're not going to mention anything along the lines of what I've mentioned, are you? Because I don't, I don't want to. To be honest with you, going back to my previous point, being a maths teacher and having done interviews and levels this week, I can't remember what you said. So you go first. Okay, then no problem at all. So, a um, hundred years time, essentially, what I believe will happen um, is um, Shake Man will essentially own pretty much every club in the world. Um, I imagine not only that he will own the Galactic Empire. So we're going Jedi, we're going Star Wars here. Um, and the, well, basically the Football League, the Premier League, everything will be scrapped. The Super League will happen, but it will be known as the Galactic Super League. And the games will be played most likely on Mars. Um, and, uh, <laughs> hey, Aljo, how many drinks have you had? <laughs> I think it's that vegan mac and cheese. <laughs> I want some yeah. of that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can also see um, Jeff Shreves, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville. Um, There's holograms. Yeah, all, of, all of them, the, the whole company <laughs> team. Laura Woods. <laughs> Laura Woods, I love you. Um, I can see them all going Futurama as well. So if you've ever seen Futurama where they have their heads cut off and they're put in a jar and they, they literally use them for everything in the future, I can That's see that yeah. as well. So... I, I envision in a hundred years' time that Manchester City um, will be playing on Mars. Um, Spurs, sorry for this, um, mate, because I know uh, Mark on, uh, on the podcast here is a Spurs fan. Spurs and Arsenal will cease to completely exist because they're an irrelevant top six team. Um, oh, and um, yeah, I can, I can just see that Man City literally will probably represent Earth with every <laughs> human being. So that, that's kind of my philosophy on it anyway. I think we'll be playing galactic football, not Super League. Uh, that will cease to, to exist. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be playing football on different planets. That's a great analogy, Jace. Well done, mate. <laughs> you need to lie down now. <laughs> I'll go back to my vegan, uh, vegan mac and cheese. Nick, over to you. <laughs> right, I, um, I 
I kind of feel a lot disappointed in myself now. I like now I've heard that. Um, but yeah, I tried to come up with a couple of different things. First one I thought was how can we sort VAR out because we're fed up of it. Oh, so I decided that like they have in tennis or they have in the form, uh, not Formula One, like they have at the um, the Olympics when it's a hundred meter sprint. You've got that little camera that zips up and down the line and keeps in line with the the fastest person. But my idea to make it a little bit more interesting and just for the enjoyment of everybody watching is that if it spots an offside on the spot, you get electrocuted if you're offside. So everybody's boots or their vest is, is wired up. And it would just be a simple way. We wouldn't need VAR because the player would be writhing in pain and we'd know that they'd been flagged offside and they wouldn't do it again because they knew that if they are offside, the consequences of what's going to happen. Or even better than that, every time they get shocked, it just notches up one level. Um, the second one, a little bit linked into what Jay said, is I put that Man City being the way that they are, they will be the first team to introduce buying transfers mid-game. So if they're playing a team and somebody scores against them, they'll buy that player during the game and field them in the second half. And the the third one, which I just had to put in there, was that Birmingham City will be officially renamed Birmingham City nil FC. Carry on. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna bring up a point there. So you mentioned the offside and a player getting shocked each time. Um, Spence, I don't know whether you remember him, but second half against Essex Charity. Let's just tell you now, if that happened in grassroots football, Jamie Young, you would be crispy fried chicken, mate. <laughs> and I'm sure you're listening because basically um, what happened, Rico and viewers, is our good friend Jamie Young, striker at Nightingale, had somewhat believed that the official didn't like him, which flagged him offside every time he was on the attack. Jamie, I just want to reiterate that you were offside by at least 10 yards every time. Um, yeah, just keep checking line. that shot. It was a mate. decent a gr- line. <laughs> that's you keeping the decent line but yeah Jamie that is the only reason mate so if that comes into force you might want to give football up because you might just end up losing your life to electrocution so uh, yeah just, uh, just a word of advice mate but I'm only joking we love you really there we go there, wow. there we go Spencer over to you mate do you know what this is a really difficult subject this one isn't it because like football's evolving all the time but I, I think there's a couple like going back to the offside rule I think in the next hundred years I think the linesman might actually be given the opportunity to raise a flag for an offside when it is actually a point <laughs> of an offside um, I think that's 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 a, that's a definite um, being a Bournemouth fan I think in the next hundred years we might actually increase our stadium capacity from 12,000 to 15,000 um Optimistic, yeah, very optimistic. Yeah, um, it's really difficult, isn't it? So, I'd like to see, right? I'd like to see, I wouldn't like to see it now because, but maybe in a hundred years' time, I reckon there'll be kind of a mixed gender football between men and women. That happens to some element in uh, some form of games now, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but I, I, I generally believe that could happen in the professional game. Because I generally believe there's some really, really, really talented women women footballers out there that could compete against men's football. I generally I, do. I, I'll tell you what I'd love to see, and I've only just thought of it, you saying that, is take 11 players to a game. You're not allowed to have any of the subs. But randomly, like they do in America, where the screen randomly selects a fan and they have to get up and dance, that when there's a substitution, <laughs> when there's a substitution, it picks the most random person, kid, adult, child, baby, whatever it be, and they have to go on as a substitution. I like that. I didn't like Harry Redknapp do that in a friendly war? 
I feel like that that is a thing. I feel like that's happened to somebody. But yeah, I, you'd just love to see Big Dave on row Z, who weighs 25 stone with a, a, a steak and kidney pie in one hand and a pint of lager, who just ends up being called out onto the pitch, playing with his, his heroes of his club and almost doing the mean machine, <laughs> the mean machine <laughs> yeah. homage to Lily, going for a header and decking it. You, you'd just love to see that, wouldn't you? Who's, who's that guy for Revan? Is it the, the speeder? Is it Speedo Pete or something? His name is. He's loving to come on score, score an absolute worldie in the ninety-fourth minute in his speedos. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? He's, he's actually he's actually part of the charity side himself. The the All Stars charity up north, and uh, I've just got visions of us when we do finally go up there and play them up at Fleetwood. Him in bagging the winner in his speedos. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? No, the way we defended in the first half against Essex, yes, I can imagine it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd, I'd also like to see, in the next 100 years, a Premier League side take on a some kind of Saturday or Sunday league side and see who come, comes out on top. See who comes out with less bruises. Yeah, mate, here you go. Make Pep Guardiola manager's side that plays at, like, you know, bog-standard Sunday acne, part, acne pitches, you know what I mean? Well, well, well it'll, probably, it'll probably take them to the Premier League, though, knowing him. Yeah. There has no, been no. A, a little rumour whether this will happen or not, of course. We're hoping Stratford will pull off some wonderful, wonderful things for us. Um, where we've heard the name of Sam Allardyce and Ian Holloway on the sideline. So, Gary Monk may well be being replaced for a game. So, um, <laughs> oh, Excuse me, I've got 100% record at the moment. So I'm not <laughs> one for one. Exactly one for one. You've got it bang on there. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I personally gave him that win. <laughs> Charity football. Charity football. Oh, would, you, would you like a mole? <laughs> well, I know my gaffer's listening to this going, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> we love you, big man. We love you, big man. Um, okay, so um, Rico, any ideas? Any any kind of thoughts that you've got? Oh. Or Proper toughly, it is really hard. Um, so I did the standard thing, Nick. Handed it over to the kids. Oh, brilliant! What do you think of that? That's class. Called them up. <laughs> love this. Called them and said, "Hey, what, what, what's it going to be like in hundred years?" And they came up with um, something similar to you, Jess. It was like intergalactic stuff and proper weird stuff. Brilliant. We've got some special kids. Um, but the the one I like the best was um, you seen the film Real Steel. Don't think I have no. Real Steel. So it's Hugh, Hugh Jackman's a boxer, but it's in the future. So you don't box anymore. You do shadow box, and a robot copies your moves. So the editors, all these footballers oh, wow. are just all the footballers just be in the living room doing the moves, and there'd be a robot on the pitch doing it for. So they don't get injured or anything like that. Apart from you, Jess, you'd get injured. You'd pull your calf. But... <laughs> yeah. Bread sticks. Bread sticks. It'd, it'd pull his fringe, putting the VR set on. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to play Hall Tigers, I tell you. I'll go t- 10 yards within... Oh, I've got to call... DW, there you go. We can call him DW. I've got away with it. Um, I'll go within 10 yards of DW, and I'll probably just break my leg anyway. So I'll, uh, yeah, I might as well just give up while oh, I'm that, that idea of the robot just reminded me of a classic moment from our favourite film with Mike Bassett when they go to that computer-generated centre. Oh, the and it's yeah. when they, they, they plug him in, put him on the treadmill, and it's like yeah. we can reenact any player, and it's Pele, Maradona, and then Mark Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's his Sorry, reaction we run out of budget. time, isn't it? Mark Lawrenson. Yeah. We ran out of money. <laughs> but I remember what, what was the what was the striker called? Rufus Smalls. Yeah. Rufus Smalls, and they put him be the ball. If anybody hasn't watched Mike Bassett, I promise you that is just honestly the best. We we talk about it week in, week out when we ask those questions, but what a film that is. Absolute genius. I think we've only had one person mention that, though, haven't we? I think. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is a shame, really. But um, it needs needs more. more, more Absolutely. They never put it on when there's a World Cup or a Euros. You know when they put all these ex-like football films and all the other crap on, and you think, put Mike Bassett on because people haven't seen it who will watch it. It'll just become a cult film again. They'll make more money off it now than they did when it came out. (laughs) (laughs) So going over... Nick's electric shock idea. Is that not what happens to most Stella every week? (laughs) (laughs) tell you what what, I've got the United game on in the background I don't know who's playing centre-half for Liverpool but I think he's wearing the electric belt because if you haven't seen it the own goal that Liverpool have just scored uh, a sliced volley into the top corner I think he got shocked just as the ball's crossed in Wow! Wow! (laughs) right um, Jase did you get any people on Twitter this week? Yeah, we got a few people. So we're going to go to uh, good old Balak. Always getting a mention there, mate. Always getting a mention. I want a commission from you from these mentions, I tell you. Um, but in short, uh, his uh, comments were, in 100 years, um, he thinks that Man United fans might actually speak with a Mancunian accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, Arsenal or Spurs might have won something again by then. Uh, Norwich would have enjoyed 50 promotions and put up with 50 relegations. So, brilliant. Uh, yeah, great. That, that, that's the one that got me, the Norwich one. That is brilliant because they do seem to go up and down every <laughs> year, don't they? And you think, come on. <laughs> and uh, I think there's a bit of un- unrest in the camp old at, uh, well, I say between between your your teams, it's between Springfield Road and um, of uh, Essex Charity. We've got Jamie McCarthy. Uh, coming out with a comment. Um, in 100 years' time, Arsenal fans might stop talking about the Invincibles when trying to justify them being a big club. Um, Barry, jo- <laughs> Barry Jones's comment in reply to that um, is every tweet you do a shot at other teams that aren't called Manchester United. So obviously we've got some problems there. Um, big Dino, we love you, Dino, um, has put, I reckon you won't be able to touch, tackle, head or being within 10 metres of each other. Uh, fudge it, nice language there. I think it will go online like FIFA, lol. So, yeah, you never know. It could have a, an element of controlling them from your Xbox and PlayStation as to what they do on the pitch. Um, Lijon, I'm so sorry, Rico. I'm so sorry. Arsenal and Spurs will still be claiming to be massive teams in Europe. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and then just for, one final one, which was uh, Chris... Um, Missedon, who was just at VAR, will still be awful. Hopefully, it'll have gone <laughs> way before then, but you never know. There could be some. I was wondering, just one last final thing, bringing a bit of Mike Parry back from Talk Sport. Oh, what a guy. Crazy ideas. He mentioned about the, and I know we've talked about this on another podcast, <laughs> about when horses collapse at the fence and they need to be put down rather than waiting for the ambulance to turn up and put it down employ a sniper to shoot the to shoot the horse for every time and i mean Greeley should probably be 
I mean, he'd have that many holes in him. There wouldn't be anything left of him by now. But for every time somebody goes rolling round after a challenge that you employ a sniper to shoot them, to get them back up off the floor as quick as they can. I'm just wondering whether that would be a nice idea. But um, either that or a bit of fun, bring the electric vest in play. Every time they go down like, rolling round on the floor, they're instantly electrocuted. Do yeah, me you, know, you know those GPS trackers they wear, they, they strap into them? I think that oh, should Jay, be replaced. replaced I would wear one. You wear one, do you? I think that should be replaced with some kind of electric shock units. Every time they go down, it's just... <laughs> Jason, only, Jason only wears his, so it's got a sat-nav built in. So when he is injured, it tells him where the nearest medical centre is. That's, that's <laughs> no, 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 no. I wear mine because it holds me tits up when I play. <laughs> that too, yeah. Um, it reminded me, do you remember the old Budweiser advert that came out years ago when they went about Budweiser revolutionising football when it took over, I think it was like the FA Cup. And it's one football advert that we missed when we did this as a a podcast theme or a, an icebreaker and they came up with really silly ideas like all the names would change to like Manchester Red Sox and all this stuff and they had the idea of multi-ball so they said that like halfway yeah. through the game that yeah. underneath all the um, advertising boards like 10 footballs would come on the pitch and it would just be like a, a wild shootout no, but no, um, yeah. oh, loads of ideas it's been a really good one this week and it's, it's challenging think. I love the fact that you got the kids involved as well just thinking back to your idea of the uh, the robot football it's not football related, but surely you guys have all seen it. Have you ever seen the video of when the VR headsets headsets first came out? Yeah. And Ronnie O'Sullivan was shown how to play virtual pool. And he fell over. And he fell over and he hit his face yeah. off the floor. If you haven't seen that, give yourself yeah. two minutes, guys. Brilliant. Went to lean on the table, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> like Dow Boyd it straight through the the uh the, the in, 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 all, in all seriousness though, though, obviously with the with the way that the world's going at the moment with online and vi- like virtual reality stuff and things like that. I, I reckon, like you are right, though. I think in a hundred years' time, that would probably be the way that sport, whether it be football or any other sports, would go. I think cheaper, isn't it? I think. But how do you mean? Sorry, virtual reality. Yeah, virtual reality or some kind of, as you put it, intergalactic stuff. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happen. I, I always envisioned literally you being able to watch them on in your own living room in the sense of the players would look like they're running around your own living room almost. I know that sounds unusual, but like that's how I envisioned it. Did you see Sky last week? They tried that new virtual reality like view of stuff. And when it when um, Thiago scored for Liverpool, they'd got this... I've not seen it, so it might have been going on all season, but um, this new system where they've got a camera that's built in... With, I don't know how they do it, but it was like augmented reality. So on the screen, it showed you as if you were Thiago receiving the ball, the run, and then the finisher, you could see what space he'd got, how much time he'd got on the ball. And I was just fascinated to see if they can do that now. Again, in five, ten years' time, never mind 100 years, where's it going to be? You'll be getting a piggyback off one of the players. Yeah, but just imagine how many people will put their foot through their TV trying to take one out. (laughs) 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 Whoops. It's like the dog roll kick-ups. They had, they had the player cam, didn't they? They used to have player cam and you could choose a player. Oh, God, that was really awful. awful. Yeah. It's going like FIFA, be a promo. It's when you'd put player cam on and it was a new signing who hadn't actually been started and you'd just have this camera on some on £50 million pound player sat on the bench in his big coat <laughs> and, and like, trousers. Like, the point. You wouldn't want to watch Grealish on camera, though, would you? You'd just be literally rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. There wouldn't be anything else going on other than that. So all you see is grass. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, Uh, You said it, Jase. You said it. I did say it. I did indeed. Um, So, yeah, that's the uh, icebreaker of the week. Now, I'm going to put a bit of um, hands up here. 
might might be worth an edit. Uh, Nick accidentally, by the looks of it, I'm reading through my emails, I believe has sent out the notes for the podcast, but it is indeed the same as last week, the Yardley Goldian one. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, right. I just yeah. yeah. so... Yeah, I thought I'd name. Uh, <laughs> for anyone who's I listening thought, to this in a hundred years' time, I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> We're still talking about the European Super League this week, apparently. But well, I'll, um, uh, I'll, no, so I'll he's going to give it the old excuse: it's on my work laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My dog. One, is. Of the, <laughs> one of the topics of the week I know having discussions with him this week was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with regards to. Manchester City and their successes. So I think that's probably a decent place to start off with. So um, one, of, one of the talking points this week, gents, is obviously we've we've seen Man City season. We've seen over the time and course of Pep Guardiola's reign in charge there. Um, some success of trophies, albeit, uh, but the, the major trophy, which is why he was ultimately employed, is to win that Champions League. And I guess I said to Nick the other day when he brought it up and was saying, is it is it a success story this year if Man City win the Premier League? Obviously, they're out the FA Cup, but if they win the Premier League and win the League Cup, is that a successful season or is it a failure, the fact that they don't go on to win the Champions League? Now, my opinion on this straight away would be that actually I think Pep Guardiola's failed as a manager. And the reason I say I think he's failed as a manager is the investment and the money that that club has got, by right for me, they should be earning and winning that Premier League trophy the way that they are this season. Um, <clears throat> the depth of their team, I don't think I've ever seen, uh, even the Arsenal Invincibles, the Old Man Uniteds, I don't think I've ever seen a, a team that have got three players of depth in one position alone. I mean, you look at the... You look at the centre-backs at the start of the season, I was talk uh, talking, I wasn't talking, I was listening to Darren Bent this week, uh, on Talk Sport and a, a great pundit as well. I love listening to Darren Ben. And um, you look at Man City's starting of the season and the problems they had. They hadn't got a, a centre back force that worked other than Laporte. And if they if they kept Laporte fit, then they'd be all right. Laporte's not even getting a start in the game anymore because of how good Diaz has been and how good Jonathan Stones has come back this year, or John Stones, should I say? Um, <clears throat> and you forget that. They bring on at the weekend Nathan Acker, who they've gone and paid was nearly fifty million pounds for. And I mean, I look at the, I, I look at my own team, of course, and I know we always talk about it, but we haven't got that kind of money for a player like that. And I think, well, we're trying to we're trying to achieve things as a club, but Man City just literally, quite literally, take the piss when it comes to investing money. It is frightening how much depth they've got. So for me, I actually feel that it's a failure and that's for club and manager that if they don't win the Champions League because I think Thomas Tuchel's done an incredible job already at Chelsea and to be honest I hope he does it anyway um, for a, such a youth youth side to go and win the Champions League um, but yeah your opinions gents what what do you make of that? I, I, I said this last week Jason I th about I mean I, I, I love Pep Guardiola I think he's an absolute brilliant manager but I think a big part of the management is about having that existing core, that 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 team that you've already got, because you're always going to look and, and be a better manager if you've got that that team around you. It's you know what I mean, but you, you could be the best manager in the world. You can you can turn things around, but you look at the players that he's got, the investment that the owners or whoever's making in into that that club and that team. Of of course, I, I genuinely believe they should, as you said at the beginning, they, they should, it should be world domination for Man City with the, the the depth they've got in each position, the money that's being pumped into the club. 
Well, if they don't win the Champions League, will it be a failure? Yeah, it will be. It will be. They they should be winning that hands down. Um, but I, I I just think I don't know about Man City. Like no one else can afford really what's being pumped into them. And is there not some kind of financial fair play thing that should come into play with that? Um, it's just ridiculous in my eyes because you wouldn't. You, you feel sorry for the the the, the teams that are in the bottom half of the Premier League table that are never going to be able to compete with that on a financial level. And it's just, in my eyes, it's, it's just unfair. There's got to be some kind of level playing field somewhere. It kind of begs the question then, doesn't it? I mean, Nick watches, <clears throat> oh no, excuse me, um, a lot of American football, um, albeit I love it. I don't watch it anywhere near the amount and understand it as much. But I know and understand the capping system over there and how they give teams that haven't finished in the Super Bowl and have, have been knocked out in the early stages the opportunity to get first picks on youth development players and, and, yes. and college players to give them a chance for the next upcoming season and develop them over time and time. And that's why you see so much other than New England Patriots all bit because of Tom Brady and he's just a god. Um, that, that's why you see so much um, difference and differentials every year as to who's competing. And for me, I cannot see anybody competing with Man City next year. Everybody's no. saying Man United again, and I'm thinking, well, Man United need a centre-back, a CDM. They need, potentially, if Cavani doesn't stay, I think he's going to stay from the reading of it, a, a, a goal-scoring goal striker that's going to go and put 25 goals a year plus in the back of the net for them to win the league. Even then, they haven't got depth at all. I, I, I just can't see anybody overtaking Man City the way that they are. I can't. You mentioned about you mentioned about Nathan Ake coming on at the weekend. Now I'm I'm a Bournemouth fan through and through and I was I was gutted when when he left us and I understand that you know, I mean he was in my in my view, even though Bournemouth got relegated, he was one of the one of the better better defenders in the Premier League. Um but I just think the money that they spent on Nathan Ake, what was it, forty five, forty six million pounds for a team that's been relegated from the Premier League, and then for him to hardly get in the Man City squad. What 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 team can realistically spend that amount of money on a second string player? Mm. Yeah, the thing I think you've got to look as well at, at, at Liverpool and you've got to think like, you know, the Ross Van Dyke this season, you know the moaning, woe is me, but they haven't had that backup of player that, you know, City lose Diaz, you've got Acker as Jason said. Straight away, good foil. I know he's not the same level, but he's still an incredible, incredible player to bring in. I'm watching Liverpool here at United, and they've got like Nat Phillips playing at centre half. You know what I mean? That that's not, and you can't imagine Man City doing that. I know Foden's really young; that's a one-off. But you can't imagine them putting the kids in. And while I am talking to you as well, we said about the hundred years thing. I'm going to say in hundred years' time, teams will be given a penalty at Old Trafford because what I've just seen on here <laughs> is shocking. Has anybody else got it up? No, no. Oh, Nat Phillips has been brought down. On the, well, on the edge of the box, a penalty was given to Liverpool. They've then VAR'd it and they've scrapped the penalty and given a free kick to United in their own box, but not booked him for diving or anything. Mm. But how you can say that's not a foul? He's completely missed the ball and taken him out. It's standard United again, but... Yeah, well, obviously, we I'm just going to bring a bit of spares in here, Nick. Because I was talking about how he came today, one of the kids again, saying, oh, he just scores penalties. But I've seen a stat... Where Harry Kane in the last five years takes penalties for Spurs. Fernandez has scored more penalties this year for Man United than Kane has in the last five. Yeah, I, I read that. I've yeah. seen that, yeah. I think about 15 of those have been at Villa Park, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, let's get, a bit, 
let's get a bit sore subjects about the Villa and VAR again with Man United. But um, so that's, on, I, I am going to say that actually, because you brought that stat up, have you actually seen, genuinely speaking, it's a Villa related stat to Man United that Man United haven't beat Villa since 2016 without having a penalty to help them win that game? There we go. <laughs> I, 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 you've got it. You've got a thing. 2016, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. So you've probably played the best part of 14 games, of which we've drawn twice, I think. So you're telling me 12 games they've had back-to-back penalties in those games. What are you saying? Like three, three years of those, mate. Three years we're in the championship. So. Oh, let, yeah, let me, let me ask you yeah. this question. <laughs> with, with, and with, still with got those, a penalty against you. <laughs> <laughs> with, with those, with yeah. those kind of stats, and obviously you're talking about obviously Man United's like being awarded all these penalties and all that kind of thing. What, why do you think that is? Do you think that's an, uh, an official thing? Do you think they're, they're 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 frightened of not giving certain things towards the high level teams? I think it's a FIFA ruling. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I don't it's think there is an answer. It just beggars belief. I think it happens. I mean, Nick, sorry to go a bit mathsy. Have you been? Have you had to do that unconditional bias training? I. This I, is literally. We were having this discussion about two weeks ago. I've got that beauty to come. Right. So unconditional bias is like you're not because you like a kid. You can't give him a higher grade. That's literally what's happening with Man United. They yeah. get decisions. The big clubs do get. Decisions. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting spares in there, Jess. By the way, we do get decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and to go back to the Man City thing, and Spencer mentioned about financial fair play. What even is that? It's, it yeah, must yeah. be lit. Yeah, because yeah. you can't you can't make the amount of money that they've spent. Yeah, so that yeah. can't work. It, it's just stretching the gap. That's yeah. all it's doing. And there's loopholes, like so. We've got it from we've got it from sponsorships and stuff like that. But, but this, you can't work like that. It, it's got to go on what the club just makes. Yeah, yeah. I come on sponsor million. All right, brilliant. Buy six players. Yeah, mm. devil's, devil's, devil's advocate, though. I suppose uh, from Spencer's point of view, Nathan Ake, fifty million. That's going to do Bournemouth the world of good. Hmm. Yeah, well, they haven't, got, they haven't got promoted off the back of it yet, have they? So yeah, we won't either. <laughs> <laughs> and that that brings us on to, I think, an absolute perfect topic. This is all from memory, Nick. You've done well, because I can't remember me. I can't even remember my own bloody name after times. So this is magnificent. The championship we talk so much about, and we have again straight away tonight about the Premier League, Europe, uh, Europa, sorry, the Galactic Super League, which will happen in a hundred years. But one thing we never talk about is lower league football and the English football league, or the yeah, the England, the English football league. So, Championship League One. Um, I think a good place to start is the Championship table, and. Albeit we, we we know the two that have all ultimately got promotion straight away, which is of course Norwich and Watford, um, very boring clubs, of course. But um, nonetheless, it's it's a good topic of conversation. Who do we think is going to go up out of the Championship playoffs this year? So, um, Spencer, who you've already made it clear it's not going to be Bournemouth. So yeah, you've got just, uh, another three choices. I just, I just think Bournemouth they've got. I mean, they they played Brent. Um, 
Brentford not so long ago and, and, and they lost. And I know that doesn't really mean anything when you go into a playoff game or any other game for that matter. But I think there's an obvious choice from from the league table. And, and for me, I think I think that is Brentford. But on, on a personal note, if it wasn't Bournemouth, I'd like to see the likes of Barnsley go up. Yes, you would. Just, yeah. just, just to have a different, different team in the Premier League and someone that is obviously... Working so hard to get where they are now, I just think, what? Why not? Why not? Let's 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 see Barnsley in the Premier League and see what they got. Personally, but I I, I think it'd be Brent Brentford just just based on how they performed. And, I'm yeah. I'm hoping Barnsley, obviously Yorkshire, so we yeah. want more Yorkshire teams up there. But um, I think Brentford have done really well after because the heartbreaker last year, they had it nailed on, didn't they? And then they just died at the end. I think that's a big thing. I think playing in it last year is going to have that experience that, yeah. you know, yeah. Bournemouth went up a good few years ago, different manager otherwise. I, I do think Brentford are the favourites, but like you guys, I'm going to echo exactly what you've said. It's rare that we all say the same thing. Just on a personal preference, Barnsley away, one of my favourite away games that I've been to. I had a really good experience up there when we were in the Championship, but the fans were just lovely people. Um, they really welcoming, like welcoming us into pubs and stuff. I'd really like to see them come up. I just think whoever wins that, Whoever wins the Bournemouth-Brentford game, I think they've probably got enough to do it. Um, but don't write Barnsley out because, I mean, they've, they've come from nowhere really this year. I think the, the manager that's in charge at the moment has done a brilliant job. Is it Ishmael, I think it is? Um, done, done a brilliant job, job since taking over. So it's going to be a tough one. Um, they've been playing some really good football, Barnsley, actually. Yeah, yeah. Swansea were amazing early on in the season. I'm going Swansea. Yeah. Really? I, I, I tell you why... And I know it's one player in particular, but the experience that Conor Harahain will give to those boys mentally preparing for that game. The guy was there two is years. Is that where he is now? Yeah, he's on loan he's on there at the moment. Oh, okay. um, but he's he's seen he is allowed to see out the rest of the season for them. And I mean he's he's had a phenomenal loan loan there. Absolutely phenomenal loan. Um and I wish I actually wish him actually all the best because I, I I've I think he's been a brilliant servant for the Villa. Don't think he's quite hacked it in the Premier League, and I just think it's down to pace more than anything. And and that's not taking anything away from him because you don't realise how quick that game of football really is between the Premier League and the Championship. The speed is just different levels, but I do really hope that he he does that for them. And the only reason I say that is. I want the Villa to be putting a, a, a £40 million, £50 million bid in for Ivan Tonev next year. So, uh, I was know. just going to say, on a selfish <laughs> note, that, that's one thing with Brentford. I was going to say, if they come up, do we technically get to put that on our Roll of Honours board? <laughs> I think they've become our academy side, haven't they, in the last few years? I think we've given them about £100 million. The fact that we signed Scott Hogan for £15 million, we deserve a stand named after us. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just looking at the, the league table now, and the, the only thing that worries me about Barnsley is they don't generally score enough goals. Because if, if you look yeah. at their goal difference, it's probably one of the lowest in terms of the top higher level, higher the, the the top ten in the in the in the championship. I think they've got a plus eight goal difference, and then if you look at the difference between, for example, Bournemouth and Brentford, thirty-seven and plus 37 and 27 retrospectively. That's the only thing that kind of worries me about Barnsley, but they're obviously where they are for a reason and they can battle. Swansea um, needs to turn it around because they had a bad dip towards the end of the season, but um, playing really good football under another sort of up-and-coming English manager as well, which is is interesting. Just looking at League One very quickly, I think it's an important one to note because you've got Blackpool are playing Oxford, who's stuck <laughs> in last minute, but then you've got Sunderland and Lincoln, and I think 
Sunderland is a, a massive story. You know, you've got the new manager in there, you've got the new owner in there who says if they don't go up, he's still going to back them. But I feel like they're at a massive crossroads now. Like they need to take advantage of this situation while they're in it. Just just looking at League One, I mean, it's 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 really, really frightening. And from from a personal perspective, it's really, really sad to see yeah. some of the teams that are in League One. And you for example, all right, I know I know we've got them on that whole city, for example, and absolutely huge side, like and like a, what I would class as a as a well established Premier League side. And then you've got the likes of Sunderland, Portsmouth, Charlton. You know what I mean? Ipswich. Ipswich is the one for me. I don't, Ipswich, I don't think I'm ahead around yeah, it. It's, it's absolutely frightening to see some of the teams. And you could even go down as, as low as League Two and look at some of the teams that are in there. Yeah. You think, well, how are they down there? And it's just that spiralling effect, isn't it? That once you're in the Premier League, once you go down, you lose all those rights, those TV rights, whatever. And it's just a downhill spiral from there. Well, yeah, well, look, look what happened to Leeds when they yeah. went down. Yeah. Well, it's but, funny you say that. I mean, you, you look at, I'm just looking at that League One team, and you look at, sorry, League One League, and Wigan Athletic, three uh, points from safety, yeah. and you think, what the hell? Like, yeah, it's just madness. Yeah. And dare I say it, Shrewsbury Town, my adopted now love team. Why are you 17th, boys? Come on, got to sort it. I'll no. have a word signing for him. It's all right. Just looking yeah. at League. Just looking at League Two, you've got. Um, I was pleased to see that Bolton snuck in and managed to get up after everything that's happened at their club. I think that yeah. was massive. Um, but you've got Morecambe, Newport, Forest Green, and Tranmere now. On a selfish point of view, um, well, I say selfish. I haven't really got much link to them. I've just always liked them because of the the morals behind it. How amazing would it be to see someone like Forest Green get into League One? If you you don't know the story about them, yeah. you've got a guy there that's yeah, so like totally vegan friendly, isn't he? He's what, sorry? It's very eco-friendly. Everything's ran like, it's all sustainable stuff, sustainable energy. It's all vegan food. There you go, Joe. There's your new team for you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, vegan mac and cheese before kickoff. But um, no, Forest Green, it'd be lovely to see a side that's come out of nowhere. And I believe, I think this is still a right stat. I think they're the only team to have made it into the Football League that are from what's technically classed as a village. They're from Nailsworth, which is not far from where I got married. Really nice part of the world. But I think they're the only team that's technically from a village that's made it into the Football League. Mm. And it'd be class to see someone like that up there. Another like, random ground to go to in the middle of nowhere. I'm yeah. just happy to see Cheltenham going up personally as well. I've always had a bit of a soft yeah. spot for Cheltenham. Yeah. So it's nice to... A bit local to us as well. So, yes, uh, nice to see that. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it's just... If we go back to Barnsley, Jess, the sad thing is if they do go up, going to struggle massively probably and they could end up going having that spiral yeah it's, it's yeah. present chalice isn't it yeah well let's let's just hope I mean for the sake of Sheffield United I mean Nickel Nickel vouched me here some of the best fans that have ever travelled to Villa Park are Sheffield United fans every year yeah, that they yeah. come they are absolutely they always talk about the 12th man and they literally are the 12th man and heart and soul of the club um and for the life of me, they've always been a bit of a bogey team, weirdly, with the Villa over the years. There's always been some hard results against them, both in Cup and League. But the last thing I'd ever want is a club like that to start doing. Even you look at Sheffield Wednesday going down. Like that that oh, broke me that yeah. did to see that. I, I, I remember going to, to Sheffield Wednesday with you and Dad and... Mm. Um, great, great place to go in terms of echoing the voices and singing and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's so sad to see these go- teams go. But you, you say, it switched a minute ago. I, I remember, you remember that little pocketbook Dad got us years ago and it had all the league results of year yeah, two, yeah. 2001. 
all the goal scorers next to each game and you, you looked at some of those and it was Marcus Stewart, Darren Bent and players coming through and you're thinking, Christ almighty, they were, they were fighting for top of the league at one point in the Premier League. But yeah. then you go further back than that and they were a well-established side in European competition with the whole Bobby yeah. Robson thing and before our time and massively supported. Yes. But if you listen to Alan Brazil, Alan Brazil talks about it every day from when he played there and he said, you know, really, and Dad said the same, when, when Villa won the league 81-82, it was criminal because Ipswich actually beat Villa every time they played them that season. So I just want to drop into like the, the National League for a second because what I do love to see is I love to see teams that have come up through the, the like the National League system and then enter the like the the, the, the football league. So yeah, I think I think I, I love that. And you got apart from, apart from Salford, <laughs> apart from Salford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, you know, Salford, do you think like with the investment that they've got in their club? And I know we talk about financial fair play. They they should they should be rocketing. It's not fair play, is it really? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I quite like Gary Neville as a pundit. To be fair. Yeah. But he doesn't always practice what he preaches, does he? Because what he's doing there is literally that, and it is just trying to buy his way up. Hundred percent. The guy who's backing him, and it's not working, is it? No, but I don't, I don't know how many teams go up from the National League. Isn't it just the top team and then you have... I think it's two. You have the top team and the playoff. Team yeah. and the playoff, yeah. Yeah, so we've got like Sutton United, which I don't That'd think... That'd be a brilliant story. Been, I don't think they've ever been in the uh, the Football League, have they? So that's obviously congrats to them. And then obviously you've got the likes of Torquay, Hartlepool, Stockport that have all been up there as well. Not County. The thing Not is, though, it works very similar in that system as well, though. In the tier system, so like the National League clubs... Well, they've all got like a lot of money compared to the other clubs in the in the lower lower echelons. Yeah. So like when you're into yeah. that, you struggle because they some of the players in in the national league are getting paid good money. Yeah, professional. And a lot of them professional. A lot of them professional now as well. So like it's a struggle for the lower clubs to even get up to that, and to then make the step up to even League Two is a, is a struggle for them. So it's like. There's become a, a bigger divide, I think, than there ever has been, and it is all down to money. But you, you you can take that all the way down to the, the semi-professional level, though. Like, I mean, I've seen yeah, some of the yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Some some of the money that this, this the part-time semi-professional players on this it is frightening for that level. Do you know what I mean? It just makes you wonder, doesn't it? It's like how how much investment have those clubs actually got? Mm. It's it is frightening. I mean, even. Even back in my day when we used to play black and white, <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was playing semi-pro, like our club still had like, probably 10 players on contracts, even though they're working and stuff, they had a contract with the club. So, And that was with the idea of sell-on fees and stuff like that. And that was like even below National League, that's just like Northern Premier and stuff like that. So it does happen, and it's happened forever. It's just got wider. The gap's got wider. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree. I think um, the next little topic we had on, we've sort of covered it a little bit, and that was going to say about the relegation chaos of last week and how um, exciting it is when you have a final day that goes down to like the drama of it all. And again, I'm genuinely, I'm not taking the mickey, but I'm not going to go on about like last year with the Prem because that's the only time I've experienced it. But just the, the raw emotion of football, going through the whole, like, right, this is happening. Now there's been a goal here, this is happening. I don't know if anybody's tuned in and watched that last week or had it on the radio or whatever, but being a team that or supporting a team that wasn't involved in that, 
obviously I feel for those people that have gone through it, the relegation, it's, you know, it affects people's jobs, people lose their livelihoods, all that sort of stuff. But I tell you what, as a football fan, when you sat back and you're watching it, is there anything more exciting than that? When it's a, a proper one where it's changing. And I'm really glad we've got Rico on tonight because one of my favourite ever weekends for this was the year when Phil Brown kept Hull up. And I believe there were four, I think there were four teams that could have gone down that day. Yeah, and sure. uh, Birmingham City did go down that day, which was lovely. But yeah. um, <laughs> the Soccer Saturday that day, you can still watch the clips on YouTube and just the emotion of, I think it changed hands in terms of who was staying up something like eight times in the day. Yeah, and you just think, what well, what an experience! But as I say, it's just just a real shame that there's those teams that are Rotherham going down in the last two minutes. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, massive loss to to the championship. The the rise of Hull, to be fair, I know Spencer said to he he classed them as a standard Premiership team. I'm not having that, mate. but because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they were like with two minutes from going out of the league completely. Yeah. 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 And a goal he scored. Yeah. One thing that you guys are talking about, sorry, you know, I, I was trying to talk and then realised what, what, what nobody was kind of like realising I was trying to talk, I was muted, so apologies. The rabbit, um, the rabbit muted you, mate. The rabbit yeah. muted you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're talking about the money dividing for a second because I just wanted to go back to it for a second about how money divides football and fans even being divided by money um, from their clubs. We were talking uh, before we came on uh, the podcast a little bit about ticket prices for those that are coming back into football um, and welcoming fans back to their stadiums or or prospective teams. Uh, when I say welcoming, I use that term loosely. The fact that Villa are willing to charge a 14-year-old, as Nick said, uh, £50 for a ticket, I think is an absolute disgrace. Um, what I want to shout out, though, is two clubs that are doing it right this week. And one club that first announced it was Burnley and their new chairman, welcoming all 3,500 fans back to Turf Moor, uh, not charging one penny to any fan. Um, and I think what an absolute, you know, what, what leadership quality yeah. that is what a welcoming message that is and then of course Leicester City following suite as well which that that's just an example of fans loving their clubs and that the, the, the owners understanding what the fans are all about I mean you, you're never going to see that at United or Man City or like I say even the, even the smaller clubs that aren't in the top six like Villa um, and and well Rico mentioning Daniel Levy who last week I called I I believe a prick. I, I could call him many things. <laughs> <laughs> I think his actual, um, his actual title, his actual title is bold prick, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he um for well, obviously he's trying to reclaim some of the debt that Spurs have built up with their fabulous new stadium, which has got a massive silverware uh, cabinet that's uh, empty at the moment. But um. Yeah, and you know what it is? It's not a fact that I hate the players of Tottenham Hotspur because actually they're a fantastic team. I hate the mindset of the individualism of Daniel Levy and his pure selfishness and arrogance as a football owner or chairman. And I think that that I didn't know this until uh, Rico went over it with us. But to find out he's offering fans 60 quid ticket prices to return back to, to well, his beautiful stadium. But then has the audacity to say... Oh, but you can get free food. Mr. Levy, I'll tell you now, if that hot dog was anything like Wembley's hot dog, which costs about £12 yeah. and tastes like a rat's ass, I'd be mm. absolutely appalled. So, once again, mate, you're an absolute arrogant prick. Bold prick. 
Yes. That's what I love this. I'm calling him. So he's not. <laughs> guy, don't worry about it. That's my topic of the week for Daniel Levy. Sorry, I, I just don't like him. At I'm going to um, going to finish off just with um, the usual football manager story of the week because we love it so much, and it's quite fitting really this way. So the the one I've read today fits in with a lot of the things in terms of who we've got on. So obviously Tottenham Hotspur fan. Um, we also mentioned at the start about how football can be used in a positive way. And we spoke about the tragedy that had happened as well with um, the young lad up in Blackpool. But the story this week is about a guy who was offered a place at university after writing his application essay about football manager. And when I read it in detail, thinking it was going to be really funny and everything, it's uh, about a student who was offered a place at the University of California after he wrote an application essay on his favourite subject, which was football manager. Daniel Gambo, who was born and raised in the LA suburb of La Crescenta, suppressed his inner tactician by submitting a 347-word essay on how the popular game inspired him to study global affairs. Um, the 18-year-old who suffered with cerebral palsy was never able to play football but loved the game and wanted to fit in with his fellow friends who were playing every week. And football manager sort of took over his life. He'd wrote three out of the four essays that he needed to get in on specific subjects. And his friend said to him, why don't, as you're from America, it's a bit of a niche subject. Why don't you bring up football manager? And it says at that point, he um, basically took over Tottenham, went on a whole sort of career, taking him up into the European Cup final and everything else. And he just wrote about his love for the game, the fact that he'd learned geography, learned to love football, uh, all these sort of things just from playing the game. And I just thought that was quite a, a fitting story this week with everything that's gone on. It's quite a nice one of how football can have an impact on all facets of life. But don't you think that brings us back to one of the original subjects about how football's evolving and how it will change in the future? And that just proves a point that in the, in the, in the wider game and the wider community football's changing lives for everyone whether you do play it or you support it or whatever things like that are having an impact on people's lives absolutely and, and football manager for me is like I say on a selfish point of view that was always the one that got me through uni and I just still remember lines of us sat at the back of lectures in sports science transferring players from Burton Albion it was brilliant can't beat it we've all been up staying up till four or five o'clock in the morning because we've got a cup final or something like that on football manager haven't we so. yeah, shirt, shirt and tie ironed <laughs> yeah. flower from the garden the lot loved it um so for this week just a couple of little updates for the affinity cup itself there's not a lot to report other than a bit of a reinforcement of what we said last week um about affiliations and how important it is to try and get that done as soon as possible um, I know some FAs are slightly different in terms of getting back to you because of the lockdown restrictions and getting back into work. And uh, The other one that Spencer's going to touch upon in a second is um, a new ambassador that we've got on board. Yeah, so we've brought on, some of you may or may not know who he is, um, Aaron Sidwell. Uh, so obviously he's a star of screen and uh, stage currently working in the West End at the moment. I know he's doing a little bit on TV as well. Um, used to be in EastEnders. Um, I know Aaron personally as well um, through football. So um, he asked about getting involved with the Affinity Cup and trying to raise the profile of some of the teams and their retrospective charities as well. And whenever we get approached by individuals like that, it doesn't necessarily have to be some kind of in, in, the, in the public eye, but... We're always keen to, to speak to people that want to help us, obviously, in our, in our, in our mission to help the teams involved in what they're trying to do. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to have um, Aaron on board. And obviously he joins our our team of ambassadors that are going to try and help us. Um, so it I had grows a, and grows. I, I had a note from uh, my other half, Chloe, on um, Aaron, funnily enough. And um, albeit I don't actually watch EastEnders or don't anymore. And um, she, she, she shared the screenshot sent it over to me and went oh no and i went what and she was like why is he an ambassador <laughs> and i was like 
Well, everybody knows him, of course. So I was like, he's he, you know, he's, he's been in EastEnders. Which went, That's exactly why I'm asking it. He was vile in EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron, if um, if you do meet Chloe, keep keep up the uh, the whole. Um, persona of that uh, please because it would be brilliant to keep a wound up mate character for him but he's 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 a really 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 nice guy and he's also a great footballer as well i must add so he also plays charity football himself um wow. so he plays for the west end charity team he's playing at qpr in a big charity game on the 21st with loads of celebrities and things like that so he's very yeah. very very much involved in charity football himself so i think for me personally with with the work that he does through that side of things, I think it's just a good fit for, for what we're trying to do as well. One thing I want to add on to the back of that as well is something that I was talking to, funnily enough, it's a, a guy at work who's a, an ex-professional. He played at Cheltenham Town for, again, mentioned for Jay, I said Cheltenham Town, but over 100 appearances for Cheltenham. Um, really well loved down there, a guy called Andy Galliner. And um, I was just chatting to him and a couple of other people at work this week at different points about um, the cup because they'd seen it and I'd got the Affinity Cup shirt on while I was at work and stuff. And... Even the kids are asking about it. And somebody actually made a really good point. And they said, have you got any ambassadors that are linked directly through any of the teams that are competing? I know we've got, obviously, Tom White and his um, links with, I think it's supporting charities, is it? Or someone yes. like that. Um, yeah. But one thing I'd like to put out as well, anybody who is listening, if you're a team that's listening and you've got anybody who has got anything that could link in terms of getting involved as being an ambassador, just get in touch. If you think you're somebody that would be a good ambassador for the stuff that you do, you know, you don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be somebody that's really well known. It could be that you do an awful lot for a specific charity. Um, I know like a, a good example of that is someone like Gary Burr, who we've mentioned before, and he's done some incredible things this year. Legend. Um, but yeah, you know, we're really looking forward to meeting him down the line. But um, what he's done this year individually as well as collectively has been insane. Um but, you know, it could be anybody. It could be people that work in specific services. It could be the lot. But if you think there's somebody that would love to get involved in charity football and be someone who represents the morals and the values of what we do, just get in touch with us because we're always willing to, to open that up to people as well. Yeah, definitely. I just want to touch upon about, Nick, what you said about um, – I know we, we've sent a few emails around about deadlines for affiliations and, and all kind of stuff like that. But we do appreciate the fact that um, – not every local FA is the same. Obviously, they they they've got different hours or different different ways they do things. So I know I know we said about obviously we'd like everyone to do it by the by the end of May, which is ideally um, what we would still like. But obviously we do we do appreciate that some affiliations with certain FAs are not until June. So it's absolutely fine. We don't want people to panic at all. Um, as long as we know that you're in the process of doing it, and if you can just communicate with us and just let us know so we can make notes down our end so we know what we're expecting um that'd be appreciated but just just don't panic as, as long as it's done um as long as we get those details in time for the start date that's perfect great stuff mate um so going back over to rico now so we spoke a little bit earlier about your role um with the ex-tigers and some of the people that are involved um but just wondered just before we go into like a little bit of a challenge thing where we ask you about football um when and where did your love of football start? Was it as a child? Was it a specific person that got you involved in football? Was it at school? Yeah, it was at school. I was a kid. Like, um, Jesse, ready for your shot? I was at school with Dean. So, <laughs> me, and Dean, me and Dean playing the same school football team. Um, stood together. I just loved it. It's just, for me, it's not just about the game. It's the camaraderie. And, and it's like, sure. kids I played with at school. I mean, luckily, I still speak with Dean, but there's still three or four from that first school team that I still talk to. And um, just goes from there. And it's, 
I think sport in general is it's sad now working in schools, Nick. I, I don't know if you'll say this as well, but school kids aren't interested in sport. Not at all. We've got like a, an excellent PE department. We've got like proper rugby coaches, football coaches, just not interested. The yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm a little bit... I've got the balance with that in that I've, so I've just moved schools in the last 12 months and the school that was at before, I was really, really fortunate really to have a, a fantastic set of lads that a lot of them ended up being picked up by academies in the end. But it wasn't all about that. It's just the fact that they grew up through the, the four years of playing together at school. Some of those kids had never played before and they got to like regional, national finals, the lot. Um, and I was lucky there, but now I'm at a school where I'm worried because of the 12 months that we've faced. And yeah. I know there's been a lot of children that I'm, I'm aware of who have been released from academies. I really hope when we come out the other side of this, we were discussing literally today who's going to be running what football teams next year within the school. So I, I think I've got year seven, so like 11, 12-year-olds. And I just hope there's still that passion from the ones who do play it to want to continue it for school next year because they've missed it. It's the fact there's been no school fixtures this year. I can't get my head around that, going and seeing the PE staff from other schools and the little trips out in the minibus, which you know sometimes at the end of the day, it's the last thing you need. But you know what? Some of the best memories I've had of teaching have been School trips, football trips, Shrewsbury Town, as Jason mentioned, yeah. going on a five-a-side national tournament there. And it's the weekend away with the lads while um, the England World Cup was on. We actually got to the England-Sweden game while we were on that trip. And it was the week after my lad was born. And I still remember everything about that weekend. It was just a great weekend away with like-minded staff. So, um, for me, the camaraderie side of it. We saw it when we yeah. played Essex last week. You know, we can't wait to start playing a few more charity games because that was just the first time we played it. But sitting down for a beer with those guys who we know classes. You know, really good friends. Yeah, um, it just makes the day. It is, and uh, I think sport in general, and it needs it needs a big, it needs a massive push again. Absolutely, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of months to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, in terms and of when you were growing up, then who were your sort of influences from football? Was it like professionals, or did you have people around you that played that you looked up to? Um, well, my dad ran a team. My dad ran a Sunday team, and then like. Go on, Jess. I'm, I'm getting you a fist. Dean played in that team, so we had a like our. It was a school team and the Sunday Sunday league team. Um, so it was just my life was just basically football. I'd, I'd go to school, I'd come home, I'd go out and play football. That's that's and the bit I miss now. Not seeing kids playing out as much. Like where where we live, you you just don't see them. No, don't happen. And you all used to go out in the morning. I Jace will vouch for this. It used to be ten o'clock in the morning was the cut-off time. My old man would say, you can't knock on people's doors until it's about 10 o'clock. And we'd be out all day, wouldn't we? We'd have the football out, the cricket, the bloody lot. And it was like, again, best memories of childhood. We just stood out the front yeah. playing football and other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's gone full circle because in them days, us, us playing sports and stuff, we were the we were the cool kids. And the kids who were sat playing computer games, they were the geeks. Now it's yeah. the other way around. Yeah. That's a really good thought, actually. I've not thought about that. And I bet you're the same. I bet you've got it in school every day. They're talking about all these bloody games and stuff that you've never heard of and trying oh, to look like you can fit in with it all. Absolutely pathetic. Yeah, I lose, I lose my rag with it. <laughs> but there you go. Um, and from a footballing perspective, Oddle. Oh, what God. player? Oh. Yeah. I think when I watched clips so, of him, he was years ahead of his time as well. He's a kind of player. If he, you, you look at the value of players now, and I love that question that people always pose, and they say, "How much would certain person be if they were yeah. in today's market?" And you can't put a price on the talent that you have. And and didn't get a game for England, did they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Keep them so, well. But um, I mean, at the at the time, as I'm growing up, England weren't very good. So, <laughs> <laughs> still and he still can go. Well, we've had our moments, haven't we? And then further on, later on, Gazza. Purely because he was a genius and character as well, though. Um, just sad. Sad what sad the way things have gone for him. I love Gazza. I think he's an absolute legend. He is yeah, a legend. You don't get players of that mould, do you? Like People can say they'll compare people to him. You can't compare anyone to that bloke. Like I say, the, the the best years of him were probably when I was like, too young to really appreciate it. But like I say, I've sort of said it week after week about Italia 90. Yeah. You've only got to watch him in Italia 90. And he just literally had the whole nation wrapped around his finger. Like, what a guy. Yeah. I met him once because um, obviously when I used to live in Bournemouth, he he obviously, he um, he used to have a little flat in on the seafront in Bournemouth. He lived there yeah, for yeah. a while. And I was I was walking along the beach and I just so happened he was walking at the same time. And I don't normally get starstruck, but I, I had to... I had to have a picture with, with, with Gaza there. And he was, I tell you what, he was just a lovely fella. He's got time for everybody. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't like to, whether you're a celebrity or not, I don't like to, the way I see it is they're just, they're just another person just trying to get on with their day-to-day business. I don't like to interrupt, yeah. but I had to do it with Gaza. It was just that moment that you couldn't miss, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. like those moments. I've, I've had a few of those myself. Joyce will tell you about the, uh, <laughs> the meal, meal, meal out with the missus after we've been to watch the villa. And I was sat there and the guy at the table next to me had just been to the toilet and he, he sat down and he went, oh, it's about Christian Benteke. And at the time, he was our favourite player at the Villa. And uh, people don't appreciate how good he was when he was at Villa. Mm. And uh, I looked at this guy next to me and I oh, did you go to the game as well? He went, no, I've, I've just been for a piss. He said, and Christian Benteke was stood next to me. He said he sat down over there. And the rest of this meal with the missus, I was sat with my, like, my head turned around watching <laughs> Christian Benteke with his family. Yeah. I kept saying, Sam, I was like, we're not moving on. I need to I need to see this guy before he goes. And i tell you what, I shook hands with him. And the only way I can describe it, he, he got hands like bin lids. They were bloody massive. Could have wrapped him <laughs> around my arm three times. He, but what a lovely guy. I tell you, he looked scary as hell when he was walking towards me there. Yeah. Right, so we found out about your influences. So this is the um, the Q&A. So what we do this is we do a quick-fire Q&A. We ask you some questions yep. um, relating to football. No right or wrong answer. It's just literally your opinion, and then you can just quickly tell us why. So um, first one, who do you prefer out of Barcelona and Real Madrid? Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> That's a tough eight. Um I'm going, Real. Purely because of the, um, as a kid growing up again, Laurie Cunningham. Do you remember Laurie Cunningham? No, of him. Yeah. Right. So Laurie yeah, Cunningham. More time of him. Yeah, one of the first English footballers to go abroad, and obviously a black footballer as well. So it must have been really hard for him. Uh, and he went to Real Madrid, and he was class. Um, wasn't he one of the the ones at the Albion classes? The the three degrees. Wasn't he in with? Yeah. Three degrees, yeah. yeah. Laurie Cunningham, Silver Regis, and uh, Brendan Batson, was it? That's the one. That's the one. Brendan Batson, yeah, who went on to PFA, didn't he? No, that's, that's he nice. It's refreshing as well to hear somebody have one a different reason other than Galacticos or Messi or Ronaldo. And secondly, the fact that you had to think about that one, because normally we've had people going, oh, yeah, I like them, like straight away. So really nice reasoning. Um, Favourite international tournament that you've watched? So it could be Euros or it could be, a, it could be oh, whatever. Um, 
Spain 82 World Cup. Because I was just yeah, getting in. Just getting. So I was like 13 at the time. So it's more. Obviously, love football, but more a tactical now, some more like knowing what was going on. And it was just some class games during that. France were brilliant in that. Platini. And then you had Brazil with Socrates and Zico. And it was it was proper football. It was it was we'll scum on you. It was not defensive, it was just like all out attack from both teams and it was just unbelievable. One of the best games ever. If you if you ever see it, get a chance to see it. Um I believe it was France West Germany semi final. Unreal. That isn't I might be I might be completely wrong here. That isn't the game where the goalkeeper was it Schumacher took out Battiston. It was yeah. that game. Wiped him out, yeah. One of the one of the worst tackles you will ever see in your life. If you've, if you've never seen that, either. horrendous. He killed him. He <laughs> did. Um, favourite ground that you've ever been to? Could have been Euro 2000. He went to that as well in Belgium. Oh, that makes sense. You'll be able to go through them. Yeah, and the story with that one was um, England, Germany, who was just in a pub. No tickets. And this Czech guy came up to me and said, do you want a ticket? I was like, yep. How much? And he said, 30 euros. I was like, what? Right, I'm having it. Just as, I give, <laughs> just as I give him the just as I give him the euros, copper rocked up. <laughs> rocked up and said, what's going on? I said, well, I'm just buying a ticket for the game. Went, no, you're not. So he took my money, took the ticket, arrested the Czech guy. And then I said, oh, shit, I'm in trouble here. I'm getting arrested. And then he gave me the ticket and the 30 euros back. Oh, so I brilliant. Got into the game for, I got into the game for free, but it was absolutely shocking. It was the worst game I've ever seen. <laughs> but oh, but it's, it's the experiences of the away days like that that make it all the better. I love stuff like that. Yeah, we um, camped. Sorry, I missed that. Is it lagging again? So what was that? We camped out. So we, we was in actually the fan park and everything. It was brilliant. It was a really good tournament. Yeah, these fan parks are, are just as good as the grounds now, some of the stuff that goes on. Um, so it might be this one, but um, it might be linking to where you went. But what's the favourite ground that you've ever been to, or the best ground? Tottenham, obviously. <laughs> yeah, are you talking the new one? <laughs> the new one, mate, yeah. Um, it's my birthday on the 30th, and my missus has put me in for a tour, and we're going to go on the roof, so I'm going to ship myself up on the roof, but... Just check that Levy's sat below you when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's the, the worst ground that you've been to, would you say? Oh. It's um, from the Bridgetown days in Northern Premier League, a place called Emily. Yeah, yeah. Horrible, yeah. horrible place. Because you get changed. You get changed in like a porter cabin. The pitch itself is lovely, but you get changed in a porter cabin. And then all their fans, and they used to have some right meter fans, just stood there and they give you like a guide of honor to walk to the pitch. It's oh. scary. So I love stuff like Never that. I love the fact that everyone who's come on, they've really got passionate about the, the ground that they don't like more than the one that they like. I've really gone into it. A few people have had previously going off about it. Um, Majeski. Say again? Majeski Stadium. Majeski. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Charlie Burnham. Charlie. Yeah. If you haven't listened to podcast two, Charlie Burnham's probably still ranting about Reading now. I've never heard anybody kick off like that. Um, Premier League or non-league? Which one do you prefer? On what level? 
I don't know how to word it really. Basically, if if you take in which one you think is more football and what what you love about football, which one would you say out of the two? Non-league all day. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, got to be. Got to be. Um, favorite goal of all time? What mine? You can do if you want to do yours and another one. Let's hear it. <laughs> I didn't get many. <laughs> uh, no, favorite goal. It's not his, by the way, Jess. Not his. It's not Dick Williams. I thought you were um, going to Nah. He's my mate. I'm not giving him praise. It's not that. <laughs> it's a problem, His head's big enough. His head and his ears are big enough. I'm not going to make him any bigger. <laughs> um, I'll have to go Hoddle and, Hoddle and the chip against Watford. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Absolute world of a goal. Um, Favourite football manager of all time? Cluffy. Sorry, you said it's all right. That one Cluffy. cut off again then. Oh, Clough, yeah. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Um, best quote ever. I'm not the best manager in the world, but I'm in the top one. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. one who, do you know what? I'd love to know what he would make of the game if he was around now. Because I, I think it would be... I don't think he'd be in it. No, I, I, I can just imagine involved. going nuts. Like, you just would not put up with it. I just don't think he'd want to be involved in it. No. no. What was that film about Brian Clough and Derby? I can't remember what it was called. No, Damn United. Damn United. Yeah, that was fantastic it's, film. It's that like was. 70 Days or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a clever guy. Funny. Knew his stuff. Had chance to go there for a week and bottled it. <laughs> As a kid, before I went to City, um, I got a week's trial at Forest and I bottled it, didn't go. One of the regrets. Brilliant guy. I think there's something iconic about him in that green sweater as well. You saw these managers all dressed up and everything, but just <laughs> yeah. that is proper football. Um, was, sorry, there was a, an old City. You remember Gary Parker? He played for yeah. Villa, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at he was at City when I was there, and he'd come from Forest. And he, sorry, he'd come from Watford, but he'd been at Forest. And he he went to see Cluffy, and he said, um, "This is where I want to play and stuff. I want to play a centre midfield. I want to do this. I want to do that." And Cluffy said, "Not doing anything until you get your records on." <laughs> <laughs> the, the stories you hear from him, there's a really good one. I won't go on to it now. There's a really good one that. Um, Dean Saunders tells about when he was desperate to try and sign him, and the fact that he turned up at Dean. He basically turned up at Dean Saunders' house. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. And he was just sat there talking about the flowers in the garden and stuff, trying to sweet talk the missus. And then Dean Saunders gets home. He's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I've come around for dinner. I'm, I'm coming to get the deal signed." You just think, "What a guy!" Um, favorite football film? Oh, Mike Bassett. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be. I was waiting for that one after our little chat earlier. Um, <laughs> Favourite foreign football club team? Favourite foreign football club team? Mm. Thinking long and hard about this one. Yeah, I'm thinking long and hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go a bit left field. Do you know what? No lie, I'm sat here and I was thinking about players that you've said and everything else and I was thinking, 
No one said Ajax because obviously they're an iconic side, sort yeah. of 70s, 80s. And no one's mentioned them, but I'm glad you've said that. Yeah, total football. Um, play it the right way. Clubs run the right way. It's about the fans. Yes. Fans are amazing. Even though they started singing Three Little Birds in the semi-final <laughs> against Spurs. <and laughs> went tits up for them. That's probably another reason why I like them. Did you see you said about the fans? Did you see what they've done this week with the trophy? And I thought it was a gimmick, but it's genuine. They had the um, go on the radio today. So they've just won the Eredivisie title again. Hmm. And they said that they're obviously nothing without the fans. And they actually, and it's genuine. I thought, again, I thought it was fake. They actually had the trophy. And there's a video they've put out. The trophy's been melted down. And they've melted it down into little stars. And they've been sent out to every season ticket holder at the ground to say that you're as much as part of this title as we are. Yeah, I thought, what an incredible thing to do. Yeah, that's class, that is. That's class. I just thought it was a genius. I mean, yeah. Birmingham City had struggled with their trophy cabinet, but there we go. <laughs> um, I'd say we're lucky if they could make it a 5p coin with what they've got in there. They've got more than ours. They, they'd, have to smoke, <laughs> they'd have to smoke down the cabinet itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, going on to the oh, last Sorry, go to uh, another fan thing. Bayern Munich, did you see what Dennis once said? He's like general manager of Munich, and their season tickets are hundred quid. And he's they asked him why that why they're so cheap, and he just said, "Well, we could charge three hundred, we could charge five hundred, maybe, but what's that? What's that going to get us another fifteen million? What's fifteen million in today? Nothing. So worth it. We'd rather German football and Dutch football, but German football in particular, we've got so much to learn from them." I don't, yeah. I don't think we'll ever do it. I don't think it will ever happen over here. But and when the game reaches that point when people start going bust at the top, yeah. people always say you should have looked at them from day one. Yeah, and the other side of it is coaching. Yeah. They're you yeah. for licences. It's exactly the same as ours, and yet they charge. I think it's I think it's 1,500 quid in, in England. It's like 300 quid there to do your, to do your A licence and your B licence. They've got more coaches. Yeah. Sure, that's, that's the one thing I've always wanted to do in my UEFA. Like, I've done a couple of the football coaching ones for through the FA, like the FA level mm. one and stuff, but just can't can't justify paying that amount of money. Like obviously when you've got like family and other stuff, but I'd love to do it. But it just prices so many people out. Because, I can't yeah. feel like unless you're someone who's who, who knows people who's played at the top, you've just got no chance. Exactly. I spoke to um Brian Hughes. Brian Hughes has done his. But um FA paid for it. Because he asked them, he says, because I'm an ex-player, so they paid for it. So it's like you're not getting people out of the game coming into it yeah. because it's it, yeah. a bit too insular. For those of you who've seen me, I might phone up and say that I'm Gary Monk and I've lost my certificates and won't get away with it. Um, no, you definitely won't get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> not applying for jobs now. Um, this is tough. Benitez. Favourite kit or shirt of all time. Oh, again, I'm going left field here. You you won't remember this because I was I was just a kid, so you guys were even born when Kevin Keegan played for Southampton. They had a blue kit, and it was light blue and dark blue, a really broad light blue stripe, and then dark blue on it. Just as we say, I'm literally searching Southampton away. Southampton blue kit. Yeah, the joys of Google. Oh, yes. Yeah. So is it the one with like, the stripe down the middle? Yeah. That's really smart. Like, if blue and then blue on the outside. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. Proper like penguin kit. I'm loving that. The light blue and navy one. Is that the one? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another story about those colours as well. First got invited to City for training as a kid. And I'd got that kit. So I rocked up to all city training in the Southampton kit. Got a right bollocking at ten year old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a beaut that is. I love those colours. Those are my university colours, but I love, yeah. I love it's like yeah. Wick and Wonders, I've always liked their kit. It's just the yeah. colour scheme. Favourite, this is a hard one. We've only got two left. Favourite club crest, other than the teams that you support? Ooh. And we've had a few people have a few th- thoughts about these, and there might be reasons to do with where they've lived or university or whatever, but quite a tough one, that one. Or an iconic logo. Ooh, that's sad. You mentioned Ajax. I've got a really old Ajax shirt that my dad had that was yeah. left like when he passed away and we went through his stuff. He'd got an Ajax shirt, and it was going back to the 80s, and it's when it was just the... The, the actual face of, of Ajax, the I think it's soldier or god or something. Yeah. Um, but that that was a brilliant badge. Ooh. Struggling here. <laughs> I might have to come back to you on that one. <laughs> That's all we'll leave it. I was gonna say it's a tough one. Yeah. And the last one was if you could have a ticket to any game in world football, what would it be? England Brazil World Cup final twenty whenever it's going to be. Played <laughs> on Mars. Played yeah. <laughs> on Mars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. There, a bit too hot for me. Oh, I love it. Um, awesome, mate. Really love it, and it's really nice to have some like really different answers. We've had such a range every week that we've had somebody on. We've had something either completely different or one question has sparked something. Really enjoyed it. Um, there's your warm up. Handing over to Jace. This is the one that means business. Sure. Nick, just okay. just just before you do that, mate, can I ask a question? How much is a season ticket at the villa? If you don't so, know that. If I tell you first, so it varies. So Jason actually pays a little bit more than I do. And this is something that I'm really pleased that our new owners did. When the new owners took over the club, they wanted to reward people that had been consecutive season ticket holders. So the original price of the ticket, they they took something like it was ten or fifteen or maybe even twenty pounds off. For every consecutive year, you'd have a season ticket going back 10 years. So I got like about 120, 150 quid knocked off the price of mine. We sit on the front row of the whole end. So people class it as restricted view. It isn't restricted view unless you're about two foot tall. But <laughs> like, because there's that barrier in front of you, they class it as being restricted view. And it really isn't. Jace will tell you where we sit. It's brilliant. The players come over to us a lot. Um, as you can see, when we beat Birmingham and Alan Hunt jumped on Jason's head. Um, but I think we pay... It's not much over 300 quid, and that's in Premier League. Really? Wow. Yeah, really, which which I think is phenomenal value. And you, you've also got the incentive of being able, if you're an early bird member, you can pay that um, flexibly. So you can pay it over four or nine months. So a lot of people have done that, and that's interest-free. Um, then if you miss the early bird bit, then you can pay it over finance, but you have to pay it with interest as well. Um, but you've always got the window to get your ticket. I think as of last season, there was, for the first time ever, we had – um, something like 30,000 season ticket holders. They capped it at that. And I think there's a waiting list of about 15. So they're definitely in the right, they've got the right idea. I do think though next season you'll see big price rises. Do you know how much they are at Bournemouth? Right. And all right, granted, they can only get about 200 people in their stadium. Yeah. But I think the cheapest season ticket is about 550 quid. And then if you're in the main stand, it's about 780 quid. That's something mental. along those lines. It's absolutely, I mean, I know they've got to, they've got to charge certain money to make sure. So they got this, they got a really small ground, which isn't the fans' fault. But yeah. I think if you're looking at three hundred pound for a Premier oh, League nothing. season ticket, 
compared to a championship 550 whatever it is and there might be a slightly cheaper one i don't know but that's about the average i think it's just scandalous. yeah i mean championship they kept it like pretty low and it's it's more or less the same price when we got promoted they said it was a reward for the fans that had been with them throughout yeah. um and we were saying in the championship we had a whale of a time I'm not gonna lie i bloody loved the championship the season we came up it was almost like we came up and I'd have quite happily won that playoff and then played in the championship again because I loved it so much. But we were getting, like, Jason's mentioned it before, 5-5 five, five draws, 3-3s, three 3-2s. Threes, three the 3-3 three, three was Sheffield United where we were 3-0 down. I thought yeah. we were paying, like, 300 quid for extra few games plus the playoffs. It was brilliant. Was, the best you you can do it the same. You, you can pay – you have to pay something like a 15% deposit and then you, they, you pay over four monthly instalments. It's just like, oh, just did, you guys, did you have to pay this year? No. So this was, uh, again, through some stuff I do with the club, I get to meet with all the owners and stuff. And they did say that was something that they were looking at. And it was like, you know, do we do this and that? And they said the one thing they'd never do was take money. And I know the discussion ahead of next year, I've got to be careful what I say on here, but um, they've sort of briefly started to mute about how it's going to work for next season. And they've already said if there are any more restrictions brought in with new variants and things being found, that people who do buy their ticket will just be literally as soon as that game's played looking at reimbursing fans the the cash value for the ticket which i don't i think in the times that we're in i don't think they can do any more than that really no i think that's fine because spares have had to pay they've paid this year again bold prick (laughs) 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 sorry your picture just came up then as i said bold prick so i don't mean you The reason for that. This is by choice. This is by choice, though, Rico. It really is. It's like Siri. If you say "bold prick" into your phone, Spence's face pops up. That's all it is. All right. Go. I don't know. I don't we love know. you, really, mate. We love man's you. Same, man's same, mate. Right, Jay. It's over to you, bud. Okay, then. So, just to recap to everybody, um, it's the quiz time of the week. I can't actually take absolutely any credit on this quiz of the of this week bar the last question um it's all down to nick and spencer apologies lads for letting you down again i've been so chocker at work but nonetheless let's move away from the depressing can i just ask is there a leaderboard jess there is indeed a leaderboard yeah um so how how this works essentially is uh, for those that aren't familiar with the quiz is the top two uh, teams of which we have two joints at the moment uh, will go through to a penalty shootout uh, and they'll be invited onto a special edition of the podcast. And there is a trophy up for grabs as well uh, from our very own Awards FC as well, who created that beautiful, and we're giving you a shout out again, that beautiful shield that you've uh, created for us essentially. Um, but we're looking forward to seeing our little trophy that we make up essentially. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, top of the leaderboards at the moment is uh, Paul from People's FC on 12. And Daniel last week, uh, getting a little bit of support from ourselves, uh, just as Paul did, of course, uh, with 12 points as well. So, that's to the Yardley Gobian FC lads as well. So, all to play for tonight. Um, you could go well top of the uh, leaderboard, Rico. We'll see how you get on. Well. Um, there, there are some varied scores throughout the leaderboard. Um, ten points. Ten uh, is is uh, another one to kind of beat. Chris from North Wales. Uh, ten from our good friend Callum at AFC Yorkies. Uh, nine from Ollie Monk at uh, United with nine. Paul and Jamie Springfield Road on nine points. Danny and Liam. Nine points as well from Awards FC. And, of course, our very own sitting right at the bottom, 
Charlie Vernon, our very own. Sorry, mate, still there, sat there. So, uh, all to play for, Mark. Uh, 15 questions. Uh, 12 is the, uh, well, the minimum goal we're looking for tonight, but let's see how you get on ultimately. Um, so... Do you know what? I'll, 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 be, I'll, be, I'll be seeing there, Charlie, tomorrow. So I'm going to absolutely rib him on being bottom of the league. I'm please do, it. please yeah. do. In well, fact, I'll send you a voice <laughs> note to play for. Let's let's see how Rico gets on. If I can find the questions, we will continue. So right here we go. Starting off with question one, then. Uh, who was the Italian court hero that infamously pushed over a referee whilst playing for a Yorkshire-based team? Oh. Paolo Di Canio. Yeah. Bang on, it's Paolo. Yeah, it's uh, number one for one straight away. Absolute yeah, Paolo Di Canio. Sorry? Absolute, absolute nutter. <laughs> yeah, he was a nutter. Absolutely, he was. Great player, but absolute yeah. nutter. Uh, number two, which team play at a ground formerly known as the Reebok Stadium? Bolton. Bang on, indeed. We've got two. Superb. Okay. So, question number three. Spencer will like this. Yeah, yeah, Spence, you'll like this one, I promise you. Who scored more Premier League goals? Yakubu or Kanu? (laughs) (laughs) Going Kanu. Unlucky, unlucky. No, it was Yakubu. So, Yakubu scored 95 goals. Uh, Kanu scored 54. So, uh, those 40 years of Carnu playing from yeah. 16 years old were, uh, well, were null and void, really. I'm I, I think he's still playing when he has under 18s, though, isn't he? So. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to my answer. Unconscious bias. I like the kids, so I thought it would be Carnu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, just keeping a sharp eye. Sorry for the uh, pause. My I've got a little rabbit that's running around the uh, living room, chewing, trying to chew my PS5 up, the little sod. So, uh, no, yeah, it's not a little up. rabbit. I've seen it. It's massive. Uh, the other one's smaller, I promise you. Yeah. I've got two. Give <laughs> him some vegan mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could always put rabbit hot pot on. So, yeah. Um, number four, what was the score in the Liverpool-Newcastle game voted the best Premier League game of all time? 4-3. Oh, wow. wow. Straight in. Can you remember, just as an extra one, the, the famous commentary you got the last goal? Stan Collymore? Yes, yeah, good man. That's the one. Jesus Christ. He's on it. Yeah, absolutely loving this. Straight in with that one. No, know, no fucking around. Brilliant loving this. Uh, question five. Who were famously sponsored by Sharp in the 90s? Man United. Man United it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Question number six, which player, sorry, which Arsenal player scored the third goal? Sorry, I'm going to just repeat this question again. My eyes are terrible tonight. Which Arsenal player scored the third and final goal in the 1998 World Cup? Was it Petit? Oh, oh, this is unbelievable. It was indeed Emmanuel Petit. I'm loving this. Absolutely loving this. We could have a genuine contester. I love it. Uh, Question number seven. You've got six out of seven right so far. Mark Overmars played international football for which country? Netherlands. It was indeed Netherlands. There you go. 
Okay, then. Great question. player as well. I know. What are you awesome? Absolutely. There's a bit too many Arsenal questions in here, James, for my tech. Which which London team haven't won anything for our money joking? Um, it was Arsenal, believe it. <laughs> uh, question eight. Um, who was involved in the infamous Scorpion kick save at Wembley? You can name either the person shooting the keeper who made the scorpion kick save or the country the keeper played for. Can I have three points if I name all three? Oh, man. Oh, I'll tell you what. We'll give you a bonus, I, I genuinely, Mark. if you get it, I'll give you an extra point. That's how on it. Uh, yeah, go on. Redknapp Pegita in Colombia. Bloody <laughs> hell. <laughs> there you go. We're going to give it. We're going to give him that. I'm actually going to give him Sorry, points. guys, can I just say, you, you've gone about my football knowledge every week. And we're both maths teachers. I feel like we've I've found my spirit brother here. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got more hair than you have, Nick. So uh well, it wouldn't be hard, mate. I've got a five head, not a four head. I don't think I have, mate, to be fair. The camera might be doing me some favours here. <laughs> okay then. So question number nine. Who has won more games between Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United? So that's head to head games. It's close. Whoa. It, it is close. Wednesday. Oh, first one. Well, I say first one wrong. It technically it is because we give you that extra point then. So Sheffield United have won forty-nine games. Sheffield Wednesday have won forty-eight games. Wow, it's been forty-seven oh, draws. <laughs> it was Nick. It wasn't me. That's a great question, mate. I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so question number 10. Which Everton legend was the first to score a Premier League hat-trick using the head? So, headers. Oh. You haven't had any clues tonight. If you do want one, I can give you one that is involved in Everton still now. That's what I was thinking. Big dunk. Big, yeah. big dunk. Yes, indeed it is. Yeah, big dunk indeed. Absolutely fabulous. What a guy. Another nutter. So, yeah, <laughs> literally. Loved up at Rangers as well. Yeah. Question 11. Who sponsored the first Premier League? It's a, it was a beer company, let's put it that way. Is that my club? It was a beer yeah, company. It was a beer company, yeah. You could classify it as a lager, yeah. Lager. Lager. Carlsberg. Oh, I thought you'd almost Carlin. said it then. Carlin. Carlin. It's Carlin. It's Carlin. Oh. No, let him have it. Give it. Let give him have it. it. We'll give it, yeah. He we'll corrected it, himself yeah. before we said it. Let him have it. I think we've been more than generous to a few teams. Yeah, yeah of course. And you by yourself as well, so let's be fair. We'll, we'll accept that. Okay, uh, question 12. We're going back up to um, Hull. So, Phil Brown infamous, infamously gave a half-time team talk on the pitch whilst at Hull, and this was replicated by which Premier League joker? Jimmy Bullard. Yeah. Jimmy Bullard. <laughs> One of the greatest Premier League moments ever. Last year. That was uh, just counting what we're on. Your, your, mate, your mate was involved in that, Jess, as well, wasn't he? <laughs> Who's that, sorry? 
Yeah, mate, DW. <laughs> <laughs> DW. <laughs> Apparently, he claims, he claims it was his idea, but he bottled doing it because he'd been subbed for the last three games. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, love that. Absolutely love that. Um, question 13. Um, so literally you're on 11 points, just so you know, at the moment. So this is your chance to go joint uh, top with um, People's FC and uh, Yardley Gobian as well. Uh, so 13, which Portuguese team won their first title for 19 years this week? Oh. For 19 years. And there's rumours of an incredibly famous player going back to finish his career there. Sporting Lisbon. It is indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Bang on. So we've got three people leading at top at 12 points now. This is your chance to go number one with 13 points. So, question 14. Name one of the players who famously sang on the chart song Diamond Lights in 1987. He's going to get both. He's going to get both. Hoddle and Waddle. Yes. <laughs> Classic. I didn't even need to give you the uh, surname no. rhymes. As, as soon quiz. as you mentioned Hoddle earlier, I was like, he's got this. He's got that. <laughs> hey, I, got, I had the 1982 World Cup album. Oh. And Hoddle thinks we had a champions on that. Oh, wow. what a year to be alive, 1982. Um, uh, so we're going to go to final question. Um, this is to get 14 out of 15 down to massively that extra bonus point for just the sharpness of everything really tonight. It's been nothing but perfection. Uh, you're already leading, so there's no pressure to be had whatsoever. Always uh, precious now. <laughs> there's no there's no pressure believe me the pressure is now on paul and uh daniel from yardley gobian to try and make it uh through to to the penalty shootout unless anybody can better that of course uh so ultimately uh your question 15 and this is going back to a question that somebody got wrong earlier um from other quizzes that we've done in the past and that was who was the first man to score a hat-trick in the premier league oh it was who, sorry? Brian Dean. Ooh. No, he scored the first Premier League goal, the didn't Premier he? Goal. Yeah. Oh, hang on then. First Premier League. I'm not going to give a hint on this one because you're already massively top of the league. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Your hint. I'm going to let, you, I'm gonna let you, you go and think about it. You see those cogs really turning there. <laughs> do you remember this yeah. one, Spence or Nick? This is no, this is what the kids do when I ask them a question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is always on the ceiling. Nah, I'm struggling. Uh, yeah, I think you asked. I think you asked it last week, and I think I got it. I didn't get it the first time round. Right. So oh. let's say I've got it wrong. Then so I've got it wrong. But give us a clue. Well, I'll try and give a clue that isn't as obvious as when I gave it last week's energy top. Um, I won't take the point. I believe he was playing for... He was playing for Leeds. So it was the first Premier League season he was playing at Leeds. But didn't stay there long. Yeboah. 
Not your boat, but oh, what a player. That's another one we need to start dropping in the podcast every week. It, it yeah. was for Leeds United. Um, and Viduka. No, it wasn't. It was Eric Cantona. Ah, legend. First season, then he moved to United. Legend. Legend yeah. himself. But hey, you got 13 out of 15. Well done, mate. Excellent work. Absolutely amazing work there. So you've gone, um, you've gone top. You are now top at this moment in time. So without doubt, you'll be being invited back at the minute to, um, well, have a knockout. It's between Yardley and Peoples for a knockout. Well, it's a semi-final knockout, isn't it, essentially, between them two to, uh, to come and through. Unless to... somebody else beats that score, yeah. Unless somebody else beats that score, of course. Yeah, You never know. You never know. We won't quiz you because it's just going to be pointless, Nick. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, though, Rico. Love love that, mate. Well yeah, done, mate. mate. It was hard, then. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I said earlier, I'm really pleased that tonight we had such a different mix on there as well. As soon as you said Hoddle earlier, it made my night because I was thinking, surely he's going to get the diamond lights. It's, again, for, for the younger listeners, I think it was bought out the year before I was born, but do you know what? It's still a worldie. It's one of them. One it wonders. Um, You're not going to be shocked to find out I bought it. I, uh... What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> I love it. it. Also, it's when you see the, if you put it in on YouTube, you get the clip of them on top of the pops as well. Yeah. And that's basically the two of them completely morbid throughout the whole video. Oh, Just no Hubble. emotion whatsoever. Chris looks as though he really wants to be there. <laughs> All right. Um, before we wrap things up tonight, I just want to say a massive thank you, friends, to the National Affinity Cup. And um, just wanted to touch upon very quickly, what was it that brought you about in terms of, of entering the Cup? And how do you see it helping charities and charity football teams around the UK? I just think it's a brilliant idea and you guys have come up with it. I, I appreciate it from just from organising the fixtures that I organise now. I appreciate how big a task it is and how much paperwork and how much time and effort you're putting in, which is brilliant. And it's just going to raise awareness more and more. And I think the more that we can do that, especially at t- times like this, because people are struggling, yeah, the need yeah. to focus on. And I think the more, as we said about sport earlier, and football, football in particular, brings people together. And I just think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. So congrats to you guys for that. I can't, I can't thank you enough for, for doing it. And hopefully it takes off and hopefully we'll just get bigger. Oh, thanks, but really, really calm words. It means a lot hearing from yourself with like the, the experiences you've had with the, the people that are involved with yourself. And then the final one is, in terms of should the first year be successful, which we're hoping it will be, um, how do you see this going further down the line in terms of within UK football or, like you know, where, where could you see it leading to? Well, like I say, ultimately, it should be a more national, so like an actual competition of people yeah. entering yeah. more media coverage. Because like, people are talking more, and this is going to help people talk more. Um, obviously, with DW, he talks a lot about other stuff as well. He just talks a lot in general. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> He's promoting mental health. He's had his own yeah. issues, which I'm sure he won't mind me saying, because he says it's for everybody himself. And I think we need, we do need to pull together, and especially for men, because we do struggle with it. So yeah. I think yeah. it's massive, and hopefully it will just get bigger and bigger. No, thanks very much, mate. And and just want to echo that's you know that's what it's all about. And if you haven't seen the videos of, um, I won't say it, Jace. If you haven't seen the videos, DW talking about his his stories and things as well. It's it's got quite a cult following online, and it's just nice to see someone who 
you know, has had his struggles, been able to speak openly, and I think it inspires a lot of other people to to open up as well. If it's one person, it's one more person that's managed to to halve their problems. Just want to say thanks to everybody again tonight. It's been a real pleasure. I know I've really enjoyed this one tonight. Um, before I do sort of just finish off, where can we find out more about the the X Tigers? Uh, Twitter X Tigers. We haven't got a Facebook because it's toxic. Don't like it. Uh, <laughs> um, and we've we've got a website as well if you want to look check out our pictures and stuff put some pictures on there um, and our games generally we do we do a little bit for prostate cancer but mostly it's the teams we play against it's whatever can, it's whatever charity they choose we don't charge fees or anything like that we pay the refs ourselves like we said earlier the, the uh, North Cave have been really kind to give us their ground the clubhouse so anything that's raised on the day goes to whichever charity they decide to the team. That's amazing. And I just want to say on behalf of Nightingale in particular, I know that um, Rich has been in touch with you about booking fixtures in the past and I've spoke to you a few times through Twitter. Yeah. Um, my boys, when we when we first started putting the team together, we've been absolutely buzzing and excited for this one for a long time. So I know when we do finally make the trip up there, it's going to be a really nice time to not just play football, but actually get to meet you in person and have a... Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll compare marking schemes when I come up. I'll bring my books with me. No, you can fuck off with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I want to hear I get better and better <laughs> oh, big thank you to Rico for coming on tonight to everybody no, that's messaged in this me, week um, just wanted to say thank you for everybody's messaging for the podcast to Spencer and Jason for getting involved Jason for actually making it on time considering the manic day that he's had today um, and just as usual for anybody that's playing this week best of luck with the games that you've got best of luck raising money for charity um, supporting the communities around you and just make sure that you're in mental health week asking if people are okay and if you ask them once and you're still not sure ask them again um, I think it's been a brilliant campaign this week so just look after those people around you look after yourselves and we look forward to next week's podcast to keep in touch with the National Affinity Cup follow us on Twitter at N Affinity Cup and on Instagram at National underscore Affinity underscore Cup if you do go onto Facebook just search for National Affinity Cup and you'll find it on there Thanks for listening tonight, and as we always say every single week, today's work is tomorrow's legacy. Thank you for listening to the National Affinity Cup podcast, and thanks to our sponsors, Players Packs, Sporty Bitch UK, Unites Designs, VO, Awards FC, The Club HQ, and simply The Crest.